0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another Jets episode on the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. Today we have a very special guest with us. We have Harrison Glazer on, founder of Take Flight Media. But we also have a lot, a lot, a lot of news going on. We have the Maytag confirmed. We have crazy things going on with offensive rumors. We have defensive cuts going on all around the league. There's lots and lots to get into. So we're going to go through all the respective units uh with our guest Harrison. So But Alex, what's for etc., man? going on
1: john looking forward to this podcast to have harrison on with us talk some jet stuff today but for cetera, we're gonna get into some nfl league news we just saw dak prescott get his massive contract we just saw uh, emmanuel senders get cut by the new orleans saints so we got some stuff
0: to talk about today <laughs> yeah man things are happening things are happening i'm excited too ricey let's get into it man everyone, Welcome to another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. As always, I got my co host here, my man Alex, who's just getting absolutely sick and tired of the rumor mill, whether that's the Knicks or the Jets. I've, I've been throwing trade machines at him all day, we've been throwing QB scenarios at him all day. Alex, what's up, dude? What's going on, John? I wish people had like a little glimpse into these text
1: message exchanges between us. I know Ricey's probably gonna get tired of it. Ricey's probably got that fucking chat on mute. In all honesty, he's probably just like, yo, I can't, I can't do with this anymore. I mean, guys, I got the chat know? on
0: mute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, That's funny. But I, I should probably do it every time you bring up Andre Drummond. I don't want to hear any more about that. But doing pretty good, man. <laughs> Doing pretty good. We get to talk Jets today. There's a good, there's a good amount of Jets news. Um, and you know, we got a wonderful guest on. So why don't we, why don't you
0: introduce him and let's get this thing going? Yeah, man. So we got Harrison Glazer on, founder of Take Flight Media, um, takeflightmedia.org. He also has a couple of podcasts, Take Flight Spit and Fire. He's the co-host of the show that never sleeps. What's
2: up, man? What's up, Harrison? How you doing? I'm good, brother. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Love football. Love talking all about it. Happy to be here with you guys this Wednesday night, and let's let's get into it.
0: Yeah. So we actually, I mean, we know Harrison uh, through the Twitter world. You can find him uh, at NYJetsTFMedia. Um, he has a lot of stuff out there, and you know, we're we're, we're excited to you know pick his brain and um, see if he uh, if he's with us, Alex. All right, we we're we we're going to see uh, where he where he could put us on this Jets train. So the first the first piece of news that came out. We got the, the salary cap uh, ten million dollars less than last year. We got went from one ninety eight point two to one eighty two point five. And March 9th, Marcus May's birthday, he officially got tagged. He got that. Uh, it's, a, it's almost about eleven million dollars. Um, I know that we were Alex and I in the last pod. We 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 definitely wanted May to get his money. Um, Money May, hi, huh, Alex. Um, and, and, um, we, we know he, we he use, he's top five on the PFF rank. He definitely was a leader all over the field, free safety, strong safety, slot corner. I mean, he, he was all over. Um, and he, the team captain, he won the Curtis Martin team MVP award. So we're happy he's here. We're happy that we can make a deal until July. But Harrison, what do you think about Marcus May and, do you think we should sign him to an extension, or or do
2: you think we should just write him out on his franchise tag? Well, Marcus May is awesome. I mean, we've he's proven this season to be better than in so many ways than we even thought Jamal Adams was. Remember, Jamal Adams was a liability more often than not in coverage. He was an excellent blitzer, but May. He does it all, man. I mean, he blitzes. He gets to the quarterback. He's aggressive and he's excellent in coverage. He's actually quite good in man coverage, drops back in the zone. Well, I like him a lot. Huge May fan. All Jet fans are. I mean, he was the MVP last year, but when it comes to resigning, he, he got a it from, you know, Joe Douglas's perspective. And this is a man coming out of a rookie contract at 28 years old. That's, you know, A pretty big thing. He's not a young guy by any means. I mean, I think he's definitely, definitely got at least three, I would say, excellent years in him. But we know that safeties don't get paid like they used to. You know, it's more about the cornerback, just like in the offense. It's more about the wide receiver than the running back. So we just, you don't see those big paydays for the safeties. I remember Spotrak earlier in the like a couple of months ago said that May would probably get around 13 million, which I thought was really high. I figured he'd be getting around more 10, 11, give or take, like a three year, 33 million, like 18, 20 guaranteed, something give or take like that. But the mm-hmm. fact that they tagged him makes me nervous because we see you know, his agent coming out. Obviously his agent, I I feel like it's Jamal Adams and he just doesn't want to tell us because the way he's (laughs) acting on, the way he's acting on Twitter is just nuts. Like, I mean, that's unprofessional and to portray yourself and your client like that. Like it was a bad move, but, and even, it even forced the point where Joe Douglas literally had to be asked a question about it in a presser, which is never a good situation in any way. But the fact that they had to tag him tells me that he didn't want to accept 10, 11 million because that's what the tag is. So if he didn't want to want sign a long-term deal and got tagged, it makes me feel like he's looking for more money. Again, it's an interesting situation because now that he's tagged, he can't be you know spoken to by other teams. He can only talk with Joe. I want a contract to get done. I think it hopefully will get done by the beginning of the season. But I think Joe is probably standing pretty pat at where the tag is a year. And again, I just get nervous because if he didn't, you know, if he had to put the tag on him, that means the contract wasn't accepted. And if it wasn't accepted, that means he probably wanted more than that. So I think this is going to be an interesting situation because of all of those factors. Like there's good and bad in all of that.
1: Interesting. Interesting. I agree with those takes Harrison. I, I, for me, like I, I always, I want Marcus May to stay here. Like I just look yeah. at it from a, from like, uh, it may sound, I don't know if it sounds Homer, but I just look at it from like the, the player's perspective. Like, when was the last time we extended somebody? Uh, it was, Mar- uh, it was Muhammad Wilkerson, right? Like, I know it didn't turn out too well. I don't Tough. consider Marcus, I don't consider Marcus May to be in that same category as Muhammad Wilkerson. Um, obviously you pointed out that for defense, when it comes to defensive backs, the cornerback is the sexy position that everyone wants to talk about. When it comes to the front seven, you know, you talk about your defensive Ed and uh, edge rusher right that's what that's what everyone wants nowadays so i totally get that um for me though there's just something that has to be said about paying your homegrown player just because when you draft somebody like you have to show that you're going to take care of them too like they, they get you had them on a deal for on a cheap deal for x amount of years right whether it's three four five depending on the position and that should be rewarded at some extent if they've been producing for you at some point and if you're trying to attract people people in free agency, I think that if you if you show that you're going to take care of your own guys, it shows that, hey, we'll be taken care of as well. That's that's always where I stand at with this type of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm, I tend to agree with Alex because, to be honest, Harrison, I hate the argument that he's getting old because you knew he was going to be this age at the end of the contract when you drafted him. And if the entire, no matter what he did, you weren't going to give him a second contract, that, it's just a tough look. It's a tough look for, you know, for players looking at our organization. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to give him $60 million. You know what I yeah. mean? To be, to be our safety. So, you know, so th- there, there is a middle ground. I was, I was kind of okay with like the 12, 13 million dollar range for like two years. And then, you know, you could like back end that with like incentives and, you know, all that and kind of make him happy on paper. And also give him that you know guaranteed money like twenty six to thirty million dollars for three years like that's a life changer you know what I mean the problem I I don't think he has an issue with the eleven million dollars specifically I think he has more of a problem with eleven million dollars for one year you know what I mean because like we're we're, he he hasn't missed a game in two years you know and and it's so funny because even we kind of have this perspective we're like with someone um you know, got at us a little bit and said, oh, isn't Marcus May always injured? Marcus May hasn't missed a game in two years. You know, we still have that one season in our head uh, from when he missed a couple of games, but I I
2: think that's what he's mostly uh, concerned about. Well, I I definitely think you guys, you know, you definitely made good points. Um, Coming at it, you know, from the money perspective, interesting way to look at it. I think it either, again, because, again, he took the tag. Taking the tag means they couldn't come to a long-term deal, and his agent... Made that abundantly clear with the words he chose to use on Twitter. So that tells me maybe it wasn't, you know, money per se. It might have actually been time. Because again, you mentioned like the age. I'm not saying he's old by any way. I'm not saying he's an old guy. He's definitely still got a couple of good years left. But usually when a guy is coming out of his rookie contract, he's maybe 26, sometimes 25, 27. I'm just saying maybe Joe's offering him like a three-year deal, and May's looking for a five-year like a major deal and Joe's saying, you know, Oh, that's too long. So that's what I'm thinking. It might maybe come down to duration of the contract. But again, he's, I wouldn't say he's old. I think he's still got a definitely a couple of good years left. But if you're going to tell me he wants like a four or five year contract, well, in that case, it better be severely front ended so that there's like a potential out after three years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, like, and let me just say, when I say pay the guy, I'm not saying, like, pay him whatever he wants. I'm just saying, like, if it's $12 million a year, just pay the guy and just, you know, just let's call it a day. But you make a good point, right? How many years are we adding to Marcus May? And how are you going to, how are, how are the Jets able to get out of the contract in the end because, you know, injuries do occur. Uh, you don't want to also be paying for somebody who's going to be on the decline as well, and you need to start making moves around the position. I, I mean, the window for an NFL career is, very short for other positions outside of, I would say, quarterback, offensive line. And I think that's really it. Right. I think mm-hmm. those are probably like the longest tenured positions. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You could, you, you could, you could let me know. I, like, I just look at when I see quarterbacks, like they go into their late 30s. I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, how, when <laughs> yeah. you start, like, oh, 22, 23. It's a freaking yeah. nice long career when you see like a running back has like a solid eight years and that's out. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. I think, I think for like Marcus May, right? I, I I would I would say this that maybe it's maybe maybe I I would I I would tend to agree more that it's on the years if that's what he wants. But I also say like maybe this is also Joe Douglas saying you know what like maybe I'm just not comfortable because you're not the guy I drafted to spend all this money in, and I want to like just hedge my bet and see what's coming next. So why don't you take the tag now and let's try to negotiate something later, and if we don't. I can just move on because, you know, he also drafted a safety in Ashton Davis. Maybe that's where his head's at, too. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And you make a good point, Alex, because you, we could still sign him this year, right? We have all the way until July to come to a contract, and that'll be after free agency, and it'll be after the draft, so all our finances will be all set. And then we could, you know, like Harrison kind of alluded to, we can give him – a team-friendly contract that works for us and works for him, where we can get out after a couple of years, but you'll get your guaranteed money. That we'll put in escrow, which I mean, it was reported that it was a problem. Whether Joe Douglas denied it or not is a different issue. But money, you know, we were kind of tight on guaranteed money last year. So, just a thought.
1: I would also say, like to add in one more, and, and Harris, mm-hmm. I want to hear your opinion on it. Maybe the drop in this in the in the salary cap is also playing a factor into Joe Douglas saying, "Hey, I don't want to." Give you a long-term deal for dropping 10 mil in the cap because if I have to pay you uh, anything over 11 million right now for the next few years, I don't know how that's going to look when I got to add value at other places. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that?
2: (laughs) I mean, I would definitely get that if I were a team that right now is like the Saints or somebody that, and we see it right now with teams like the Panthers, a lot of teams are cutting a lot of weight to try to make room because they have guys that are in their upper 30s or close to 30 and they had a couple of good years and they're not as good now and they're making like 10, 11 million, something like that. We're seeing a lot of that now because of a cap problem. The Jets are doing well. and I pointed this out, you know, in my podcast as well, just to think about this concept. Just two years ago, we had a GM that spent a quarter of a billion dollars in one free agency. Just one free agency. Just one, just one on a bunch of freaking guys that didn't deserve the money. Like it's insanity. Like Henry Anderson has seven sacks in one year. Like, oh, I'll pay him 25 million. That makes a ton of sense. Crap like that. (laughs) Dowell Roberts. So, but that happened. And then just two years later, literally two years later. We have $83 million in cap room, second in the league. I, I love Joe Douglas for so many reasons, and that that's one of them. I mean, he knows how to do money. He knows how to manage. He's not going to overpay for people like in free agency. He's going to pay. If he throws big money, it's going to be at like a Joe Thune or a Shaq Barrett or a Kenny Galladay. I don't think people say, like, oh, he's going to throw big money at a Curtis Samuel or Juju. I, I don't think so. I, I just don't. But, that's, again, that's what I love about, you know, Douglas, but yeah, I don't think with the money it's going to be that much of an issue for the Jets. More with May, I think the biggest problem is going to be, you know, just I mean, you mentioned him not being his guy. I don't know if that necessarily plays a factor because, like, you know, if if he's great, he's your guy. I mean, he works, he makes sense. I think it's more just again that balancing act, and maybe he wants a too long a duration, and he's not like I said a younger guy, and he's not at a premium position. I think that stuff's kind of. More playing a factor, and they're playing like a limbo game right now. Which I guess, again, if my option is that, or a guy like Mike again, who just closes his eyes and throws a <laughs> wallet in the air, I prefer that. I prefer the guy that you know wants to spend the money smartly.
0: Or Idzik on the other side, who is literally—he's not going to give you a penny. Like <laughs> oh even if God. you're even if you're begging on the street, like you're not getting anything. We're going to hold on to
2: everything. First uh, of all, but, talk about but that's the draft scenario. Yeah, because he could draft. <laughs> so you have to do that. You have to at least be able to draft.
1: <laughs> First of all, can we talk about how it was like you, you go in you like you're dating somebody and like you break up with them and you go like a complete 180 in the opposite direction of like what you wanted. So we went from like the penny pincher to like the extreme overspender <laughs> on just like, and both of them yeah. just didn't know how to choose talent, and it was just. Yeah. insane just it's Which, that's it's the the we're the toxic of ones
2: yeah.
0: we're the toxic ones we find i think we finally <laughs> found a good relationship
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's the point that's the beauty of joe douglas because they proved it we had one guy that you know saved the money and tried to build through the draft but he couldn't draft and then one guy that spent the money in free agency to build a short term team and also couldn't draft so we realized that the, the continuity here the thing that you know everybody does well They draft. You have to be able to draft well. And I'm telling you, Douglas is that guy. I said it back last April, right after the draft. He was the first Jets GM to take guys, like almost all guys on my board. Like it was ridiculous. (laughs) Like I couldn't believe it. Like I was like, like I just couldn't believe I was like loving it. Like it was amazing. Normally I'm used to the Jets like getting excited, like, okay, (laughs) there's ten or fifteen guys I like at this position. And then they call the name and I'm like, who the hell is that? What What are you doing? Yeah. Like, so I, I just love that. was it, a great, I,
0: think, I, agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I had, was, had such a I good time draft. last draft. And because, like, the draft is like a holiday, and in, and it always ends up being like you hated the holiday, and you're like, why do I always excited about this holiday? And then it always sucks. But this year is finally good.
1: <laughs> Nothing can be worse than uh, Mike Nugent being drafted. Okay. Oh, dude, yeah. <sighs> we still don't have
0: a kicker. But anyway, let's get, let's jump into the defense. Let's jump into it. So we have, we have a 4 3 defense now. Uh, with Salah, which from left to right, we got a Leo, which is the weak side defensive end. We got the six technique, which is the strong side defensive end. We got the two inside, the inside shoulder of the guard. And then we got the three technique, who's on the outside shoulder of the guard, right? That's that's just how it goes. So we have Q Williams as a six tech, absolute monster, career year. We got Fatukasi. He'll be eating up the interior. He'll also be a starter. We got Nathan Shepard and Kyle Phillips, who are also on one-year deals. They're nice backups. Nice depth. Then we have John Franklin Myers, who he's still under contract, and he had a pretty decent year: three sacks, two fumble recoveries, thirteen QB hits. Uh, his presence was known in the backfield. But man, we are missing that Leo. We are missing that edge rusher, dude. We're, we're dying. Uh, we had we did draft. Uh, we were just talking about you know Joe Douglas's draft. We did draft Zuniga, so hopefully he'd be a good backup this year. Show us something but we need a starter. We need a starter, man. There's cuts all over the league. We have people everywhere. We got Bud Dupree from from Pittsburgh not being signed. We have our own Jordan Jenkins, who had a pretty solid year, but he's more of a 3-4 outside linebacker. And then there's other guys who we've been linked to for seemingly forever, right? We have Yannick. We have Leonard Floyd. We have Jadavion Clowney. I know we have Carl Lawson who just slipped through. We have Trey Hendrickson who just slipped through. And if you read Harrison Glazer's last piece on TakeFlightMedia.org, which did talk about edge rushers, he's all over Shaq Barrett. So, Harrison, take us through what you got going on with our whole, with our defensive line in general, with the four and the 4-3, yeah. and uh, let us know what you think uh, is the answer to our edge rusher at least. In free
2: agency, we'll start there. Dude, I would love to. And as you brought it up, I actually wound up writing an article in the, a little bit in the past as well about how so much better off we are for the 4-3 than the 3-4. It was almost like it's like those situations where you're doing the wrong thing and you don't realize what the better thing is until you see it. And when we switched to the 4-3, I took a step back and I thought about it and I was like, oh, my God, our defense – is literally almost significantly better suited for the four three. Like it's insane. Like in a four three, you mentioned it before. You have you want two solid uh, defensive interior guys. Obviously, Quinnen's going to be that. If we watch and I talked about this in the article, Quinnen was significantly more disruptive on the defensive interior. As an end, I kind of was ant on him because he didn't have great production. But as a defensive interior guy, he's more disruptive. He's more dynamic. He blows through guards significantly better than he does tackles, because they're more athletic. And he's as a defensive tackle, he's literally one of the best in the league. So he's going to be amazing next year in 4-3. You mentioned Foley Fatukasi. I love the kid. I do. I'm a huge Foley Fatoukasi fan, especially because... I know he's from Queens, but I'm going to say Long Island native. <laughs> he's a Long Island native, which I do love. So he's, he's a local guy, which is a great thing. But he's an excellent, excellent run stopper, but he's only an okay pass rusher. I feel like in my personal opinion, when I took a step back and thought about it, Salah's going to prefer the opposite. And that's John Franklin Myers, in my opinion. And I think he's going to get to start a lot more of a Foley. And Foley will be more of a rotational piece that comes in on possibly, you know, known run situations. Because Franklin Myers is like the opposite. Where we said Foley is, you know, an okay pass rusher, but severely dominant in the run. I think Franklin Myers was underrated last year. Mainly because if you watch him, and again, the 4-3 just excited me so much. They put him on the end a lot when they played him in the middle. He was fantastic. Whenever he lined up on the middle, he was almost as dynamic as Hugh was. He was blowing through the guards because he's significantly faster, which again that gives guys like Hugh and, you know, Jay, John Franklin Myers an edge. When you put them on the inside against a the guard, they have the strength, but they have dynamic speed, which it gives them like almost obviously they're not Aaron Donald, but it's the you know, the Aaron Donald archetype basically. Mm-hmm. So I think John Franklin Myers will definitely get the start because I think in the interior, man, I I would call it right now, I wouldn't be surprised if Q and John Franklin Myers have close to 15, 20 sacks between them next year. I would not be surprised (laughs) because the two of them are just really dominant on the interior. And then again, when I took a step back and thought about it, I was like, okay, all the edge guys we have, they were better with their hand in the dirt. Like Bryce Huff, Terrell Basham, they were much better when they lined up in like a nickel formation on the outside with their hand in the dirt than they did as standing edge rushers. So I'm excited about their potential, obviously. But free agency-wise, there's a couple of guys to look at. Shaq Barrett is the obvious answer. I mean, Shaq Barrett has consistently, like consistently since 2015, been one of the best edge rushers in the league. And I'm going to bring the stat up right now because the stat just blows my freaking mind. Like when I look this up, I surprised myself. (laughs) So like, for example, in 2016, bring it up right here. In 2016, Shaq Barrett only had one and a half sacks, yet PFF gave him a rating of 84. I cannot think of a guy that had one and a half sacks with a PFF that high ever, like in my lifetime. And then the next year, 2017, he only has four, but has a PFF of 82.6. It's because he's consistently Been an excellent edge rusher, even though the production hasn't been there. He's always been phenomenal. He's always been a great edge rusher, ever since he's went undrafted, basically. And in 2019, when he went from the Broncos to the Bucks, the production finally showed up. And when Mm -hmm. we say showed up, you guys remember. 2019, Mm -hmm. I mean, he was half a sack away from 20. The dude Mm -hmm. blew the NFL away, 19 and a half sacks, 19 TFLs, only one less than Aaron Donald. I say, like, I just... Uh, Too many people saw the Joe Douglas pressers and their impression was, oh, yeah, he's not going to spend a lot in free agency. But again, just the brilliance I love of Joe Douglas, and I wrote something on this too, just dissecting what he said. He chooses his words very deliberately and very specifically because he's not going to hint anything. He doesn't want you to know one way or another. But if you listen to what he says, he did say when they asked him about free agency, you know, our our philosophy is obviously to build through the draft and build a solid team that way. And free agency is supposed to be supplemental, but he ended it by saying when opportunity needs value, we will be aggressive. That mm-hmm. sentence means if we see that guy as a major need and he deserves the money, we'll pay him. And to me, that's a Joe Thune and that's a Shaq Barrett. I mean, Shaq Barrett is like, is it literally like one of the best edges in the NFL? I would be shocked. Shocked, like Levante David got signed today. I would be surprised if Shaq Barrett does it free agency. Like I can't see the Buccaneers being crazy enough not to sign him. But if he does, like, I think I said it like earlier in another, if if we only signed Dooney and Barrett in free agency alone, I think I'd be happy. Like, I think that's it. Like everything else would be great, but he would be amazing. There's a couple of other guys too, Bud Dupree, Romeo Aguara. They're interesting situations, but Dupree was, unlike Barrett, the 22nd overall pick in the entire draft when he went in 2015. But unlike Barrett, he kind of laid an egg for four years. He wasn't that good. People actually questioned him and thought maybe he was a bust. Like, for example, I, you know, have it up right here. He literally had, uh, from 2015 to 2018, he never had more than six sacks a season and he always rated below average in like the sixties. So finally in 2019 he took off and from 2019 on he's had 19 and a half sacks and 24 tfls but that's literally what barrett did in one year so like i i want barrett no matter what if he hits like him and Thuni, like literally him and Thuni, like hand them a blank check and let them pick a number like write a number that's your salary for the two of them like that that's what i want for them like pick a number like i don't care write a number down that's your salary and there's, I won't get it all, but there's a couple of other guys too. Romeo, yeah. yeah, there's a yeah. lot of interesting it, options. Yeah, I,
0: so just really quick, I, I mean, I, I with what we have already, I agree. I, I love John, John Franklin Myers on the line. I just, I could see him starting next to Foley, and that's the whole point of the 4-3. So we had that edge, which we're about to get it to, and then next to QL, Foley, and John Franklin Myers, who is just so fast and so quick, and he knows how to get in the backfield. So, like, that's why I'm so excited. But uh, I'm going to throw up to Alex, but I think my my number one issue with Shaq Barrett, and you kind of alluded to it, and when he jumped from the Broncos to Tampa, he jumped into the 3-4, and he was playing that outside linebacker Jordan Jenkins role, and he thrived there. I just don't know if he's going to fit into the 4-3 and... Now we're gonna overspend on an on a non scheme fit like that's where my that's where my Joe Douglas meter goes off like yeah, we're not
2: I get you yeah
0: and we're, I, on, I wouldn't we're, wouldn't, we're not gonna, gonna be you on gonna... hell. you know what I mean like 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 if if we're sitting there uh, a couple of years ago Joe Douglas would be like why are we gonna get this type of running back where we don't have a line that he could run against like it makes no sense and like that's what Shaq Barrett feels to me like yes he is amazing. And that's from our perspective. From the other side perspective, which is usually what Alex like gets to me at, and like he really like put this like into my brain. Like, why would the player leave Tom Brady in Tampa Bay? Just take the one year deal, hang out for a year. You know what I mean? Until until Tampa until Tom is done. You know what I mean? And then they're gonna pay you if you're killing it every year. You know what I mean? Like, so that's my feelings on Shaq Barrett specifically. <laughs> No, John, I agree. I
2: totally think Shaq Barrett's going to resign. I, I don't think he's going to hit free agency. I, if he does though, in the way I, I it's actually funny because when I talked about him, a couple of people made that comment. Exactly. And so I actually threw a piece in the article on that as well. It depends on the player. Like obviously if it was somebody else. I would agree. But when I look at somebody like Shaq Barrett, it's kind of the argument, like somebody made with me with, with Galladay. like, you know, Oh, Galladay, someone said, has a similar skill set to Mims, and you know, what, well, why do we want two of that? Well, a wide receiver one, a true wide receiver one, has no scheme need. I mean, he makes the contested catches. He makes every play. He fights for the extra yards. He fits in any system you put him in. And I feel like, again, like I pointed that with Barrett, like consistently being like 79, 80 overall. He, I think he can thrive in any system. I truly do. I think he's that amazing. Like in my mind, elite is elite. You know what I mean? Like top is top. I feel like you could stand him on his head and tie his foot behind his back, and he's still going to get a ton of sacks.
1: Interesting, oh. interesting. Now uh, it's funny that John just took what I was going to say. Like, why would? So I don't have to ask that question. Why would he leave Tom Brady? And so thanks for doing that, John. Will. Thanks. I, for my so.
0: that. I know, I know. That's I, I, um, I know. Like that you've instilled that. I in mean, I totally agree. Why the hell would Chad be like? Yeah, I'm going to leave Tampa right. and Tom Brady to come to New York. Like, why? And warm weather. Well, I mean. You know, if we're, I want to get
1: more into the wide receivers. So like, I can't wait to, to discuss that. But for D end, um, you know, you 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 made a compelling case about Shaq Barrett Harrison.
2: I feel like, like the, I, the numbers blew I, my mind. I, I, I couldn't I, believe he graded so high when he had no sacks. It's crazy.
1: I, I'm just so I'm just I'm just curious because I, I haven't followed his career as, as much as you have. So in Denver, was he playing in a four three system or was he playing in a three four system? It was
2: still more of a three four, but again, the way I look at it is even with the Jets. I mean, you have a nickel formation, and when you're live in a nickel, even Jordan Jenkins has his hand in the dirt often. I feel like again, this is guy's like Hawk that I feel like would thrive more with their hand in the dirt. But like I said, the way I look at it with Barrett is, yeah, a guy like Romeo Aguari, he's made for the four three. Best example is he played three four at the Giants. He did nothing; like he literally had a sack over two years, and they cut him. I wanted him, man. I wanted him on waivers, like like ridiculously, because I watched him at Notre Dame. I loved that kid. Like in his last season, he was insane. Lions mm-hmm. pick him up, put him in the four three. Second, they do. Over the last three years, he's had eight and a half sacks in uh, twenty eighteen. Only okay last year. I mean, twenty nineteen. Last year, ten sacks. First time he's done that. So he, him, and Bud Dupree—they're more like two seventy. But again, I use the same argument like I mentioned before with talent is talent, but also size doesn't really matter to me. And I point this out like I'm my podcast with evaluation, I feel like too many people get caught up in measurables. And when you get caught up in measurables, you miss on like a Kyler Murray or something like that. So like when I specifically like wide receivers, positions like that, I don't look at size, like edge rushers. I literally, when I watch them in college, I ignore their measurables. I don't care. I want to see what I think they play at and then look it up. So like, for example, Devonta Smith, you look at him at measurable wise, dude, the guy weighs 175 pounds soaking wet. How could that be a wide receiver one? But when you watch him play, yes. he is so physical, just so physical for a guy his size that he can make the contested catches. And unlike a guy like Kadarius Tony, who's bigger than him technically, I feel like he does. he's more of a speed guy that's going to get separation with raw agility and not win on the outside. So I try not to get too caught up on that measurable aspect. So to me, 250, 270, 290, 230, if you can get to the quarterback and you can play the way I, with the things I look for, that's all that matters to me.
1: So you're the anti, um, what's his name? Uh, <laughs> John Elway. John
0: Elway. Thank you. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I Harrison's must have a quarterback. Anti- no, no, no. I must have a quarterback that's no shorter than six foot six. <laughs> but
0: All right. Now, like, I, yeah, I guess. Like, I so know my, your, mom, yeah. Well, you really want Shaq Barrett, Alex?
1: Look, I. I wouldn't be upset with Shaq Barrett. I mean, Harrison just—I mean, either that or Harrison's just the greatest salesman and I ever met in history. Um, <laughs> but like, what do you? what I'm going to ask you this question because I, I know my boys, bit my boy John's been banging this drum uh, since we've been doing our free
2: agent Trey Hendrickson mm-hmm. from the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, I covered him in my article as well. And here's what's ironic: I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter and stuff. About four or five months ago, I was huge on trey hendrickson i I tweeted like multiple multiple things about him how he basically led the nfl as edge rusher so other than tj watt he had 13 and a half this year tied for second tj watt was the only one that had more i was huge on him i i was really really wanted him you can check back i have like months with lots of tweets but like anybody that i'm really high on i like to go back and look at film and reevaluate through the process the more i watched trey hendrickson and people pointed this out and i saw it a lot of his sacks this year were coverage sacks because their secondary is so utterly fantastic that it felt like a lot of his sacks were after the fact, after three or four or five seconds, give or take, where he broke after a, a, a not an initial pass rush tree, which I've been a little shaky on his pass rush tree. So he used to be someone I'm high on. Honestly, if I had to list it out now and I listed in the article, Shaq Barrett, number one, Bud Dupree, number two, Romeo Aquara number three, Carl Lawson, number four. I have Hendrickson now as number five.
1: Okay. All right. That,
0: that, that's, that's tough. List. That's tough, dude. So, I mean, so while, um, I mean, the difference is, right, when you do these rankings, sure, they're better, right? Like, nobody's going to argue that Shaq Barrett versus Trey Hendrickson, who's better. Like, yeah, Shaq Barrett. Like, that's easy. But we want to talk uh, more than scheme fit, also, like, bargain, you know, like, value. Like, Joe Douglas... I don't think
2: he's going to be cheap. No, I don't think he will, because you have to remember, that's the thing, people overpay for these guys. Like, he had 13 and a half sacks last season. If you look, I think NFL, they're they shooting him. They have him rated, I think, as the number five available free agent. Same thing like with Lawson. Lawson had eight and a half sacks in his first year, I'll look up the number, but I'm pretty sure he hasn't had more than five or six since then. And his numbers, one year he's got a 78 rating, one year it's a 65, one year it's a 72, one year it's a 55. I feel like guys, specifically guys like Hendrickson, someone's going to overpay for him because he had a very productive year. And I just feel like we're going to have to pay him. Obviously not as much as Shaq Barrett, but I would say probably as much as Bud Dupree or Acquara. Really?
0: I think he's gonna get under all the, maybe over a, maybe Acquara, oh, but see. I think he's gonna get, I think he's gonna get under Dupree, and I think he's gonna get under Lawson too. But, uh, personally, I, lo- I love, I love Hendrickson. Depending on the Yeah, I love Hendrickson's resume. Like, wh- I think it's more than last year. So, he was a top ru- uh, pass rusher at Florida Atlantic. It's whatever, but he was a top pass rusher in college. He went to the third round, and he was buried behind Davenport, who, from Mississippi State, and he was he was huge, and you know they traded up for him. So they, they were hyped about Davenport as soon as he got in, he had three starts, thirteen games total, and he had four and a half sacks in 2019. Yeah, that, that that's whatever. That would have been third on our team, <laughs> behind jo- Jordan well, Jenkins and Jamal Adams. T- that's a low bar. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. i was just saying, like, and then last year, of course, he went insane, and he also like, you know, on the other side of that. He has Cam Jordan, right? They're worried about Cam Jordan. So, you know, uh, I'm I'm sure nobody's really worried about Trey Hendrickson and maybe he did just have one good year. I'm not like a huge, like, oh my God, we need to overpay for him, but he just seems like, I don't know, if he, if he wants to take eight, you know, eight to 12 million a year, like, like bring him on. But I, I I could see your worry and you're kind of turning me off to him as well. Like, you know what I mean? Just, just because it, it just depends. Like on that list, Okay, if everybody's equal, of course I agree with you. Take him last. But if we if if if, it, if the contract is opposite, right, of the list you made, and the number is exactly opposite, like you have to pay him the least, and it's descending order, then who are you taking out of those five? You know you, what I'm trying to say? You might, you so,
2: might, ask the question one more time. Okay, okay, okay. So, advantage. so
0: you get, you gave your list, right? You gave your list where you had Shaq Barrett yeah. at the top and Trey Hendrickson yeah. at the bottom. Now, say the contracts are exactly measured that way. So Shaq Barrett is the most expensive and Trey Hendrickson is the cheapest. And that's exactly how they get paid on their contracts. Who do you want there as your edge rusher, uh, next year and maybe going forward? Well,
2: the way I look at it is like this. I mean, if you pay Trey Hendrickson, you are running the risk. I mean, maybe that last year was you a sign in the right direction and he's definitely getting it on and finally getting it together. Same thing like Bud Dupree, you know, in his first four years, he looked lost. The only one on this list that hasn't ever looked lost is Shaq Barrett. So the way I look at it is if Shaq Barrett is getting you at minimum 10, 12 sacks and upwards to probably 20, we haven't had a guy like that since John Abraham. Like, I mean, I'll... I'll pay him like I said. It's just like with a oh, guy man. like Joe Thune. It's They're just like, a, yeah, it's just like with a guy like with Joe Thune. You know, with uh we need an interior, and not only is he consistently one of the better guards in the league, the dude's an Iron Man. He hasn't missed a single game in five years. Like you can't, you, you can't get better durability than that. So, like those two guys, I pay him whatever needs to be paid. The way I look at it is, Joe Douglas literally said, "I'm supplementing through free agency." So I say. I'm not paying 10 or 12 for an average guy. In free agency, I'm paying for the guy that's going to be elite and great. Otherwise, I'm addressing through the draft. That's the way I've looked at it. And that's why I'm not, you know, high exactly on guys like Curtis Samuel like everybody else is. Because Samuel's outstanding in the slot. He's okay on the outside. I mean, he's not bad. But we have Crowder. I know people want to cut him. I don't. I think he's (laughs) one of the better you know, he's been consistently one of the better slot receivers in the league. And Samuel had a good last year. But again, what about before then? He had three years where he was met and didn't really do that much. And he's going to make, like, Trey Hendrickson, $12, 14000000 So the way I look at it, like, Joe, is, like, I'm not paying a middle-of-the-ground guy middle-of-the-ground money. Like, I want the top guy or I'm going to build my team to the draft. Okay. That makes so I don't funny. think we're getting
0: anyone if there's no Barrett.
2: You're off Barrett. I mean barrett has gone you're out you know more if no I more can't reasons. Have Barrett I'm a little torn between Dupree and Aquara because oquara failed with the Giants and succeeded with the Lions which tells me he's born to be a 4-3 defensive end on that strong side so I lean a little more toward him specifically because Dupree you know finally got it on the last two years but he was not doing well before, before that. Plus, he is a little bit more of a 3-4 than a 4-3, unlike O'Quara. But honestly, I would say probably between Dupre and O'Quara is my second choice. Lawson's my third. And then Hendrickson would be my fourth.
1: I mean, for Okwara though, right? Like, that was going to actually bring up him, too. Did he really fail on the Giants, though? Or was it, a was it defense overall just bad? Like, what's...
2: <laughs> like... It's possible. But he did play 3-4 defensive end there. So that's the thing. He was the standing edge rusher there and when it came to the lions he became a four three strong defense that that's literally the position he played and since there i mean 2019 he didn't do that great so again that's why i'm a little eh but 2018 and 2020 he was
1: great yeah i feel like guys have up and down years i feel like i feel like both those situations like new york the giants being better than the the lions and looking at like the situation just from like a franchise standpoint and like who the coaches and how like you just like just ran operationally, I feel like it's easy to get, like, down and just not perform well. Like, I know you're looking for yourself, but I feel like it's also based on team environment. I feel like if he's coming to – I feel like for choir, I wouldn't be upset paying for him because if you're coming to someone like a Robert Salah, right, and you have a Joe Douglas in the front office and you see these guys who are football savvy, you have a guy who knows what he's doing on the defensive side, I feel like that's more, like, engaging than a Matt Patricia or um, I don't know, 2016, 17. I can't remember who it was. Was it uh, <laughs> McDoodoo? Was is that? Is that <laughs> I'm just going. to that's <laughs> what all my Giants friends called him. I, 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 <laughs> so I don't, even, I don't, I don't remember his name. But um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. But the one thing I do want to point on is the, the the thought process of Joe Douglas that you brought up. Uh, paying for guys to supplement through free agency, which I agree with. That's definitely how you do it. You got to build through the draft take advantage of the cheap contracts, develop your young talent and reward the young talent uh, that you, that you've developed. And then you supplement through free agency and the positions that you need. And I like what you said that, you know, you got to spend at the prime position and not worry about it. Right? Like I want to get the guy and just not have to worry. Like, is he going to perform this year? Like, why do I want a middling guy, like a Curtis Samuel that you pointed out? Right. Jameson Crowder has been solid for us. He's been like, unfortunately, like just de facto number one wide receiver and he's actually produced to that extent, even though he's a squat performer. Right. And it's like, okay, why would I want the Curtis Samuel, like probably pay him around the same money for Jameson Crowder and then not know I'm going to get when I'm getting Jameson Crowder who I know I'm going to get every single game. And I don't even think he's missed that many games. Like, right. He hasn't been like, he rarely misses time.
2: He's missed like, some games, but again, he's a smaller guy. I mean, so yeah. that, that, that does tend to happen with the smaller frame guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's not so much where you're just like, okay, what am I paying for? Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like um but I don't know. I, I totally agree with that logic and I can understand going for someone like, you know, Romeo Aquara, going for a Shaq Barrett, uh going for one of those top guys. So I hear I hear you
2: on that and I, and I do agree. <laughs> and then otherwise but you I, go through the draft. I mean, there's a ton of edge rushers I love through the draft. So I think, you know, it's going to affect things. Like if he gets a Shaq Barrett, maybe he doesn't go edge, rush or high. If he signs oh, no. Kenny Galladay, we probably don't go wide receiver high. So I think it really affects how things roll. But again, it's like the same thing with Kenny Galladay. Like I don't want like Denzel Mims ceiling, like his floors or his floor is a wide receiver too. We know that like his floor is a wide receiver too. Why are we paying a juju or like somebody like that to be a wide receiver too? Like all no, that money. It's makes a lot. Sense. So no, it makes the way I look sense. at it is, I want Galladay because again, people say scheme. It doesn't matter. Why do you see Alan Robinson? There's no scheme. <laughs> like put him in. P- pick it. I don't care. Pick a scheme. He will succeed. Same thing with Galladay and then go through the draft. I mean, there's a lot of later on guys I like. And if you don't get Galladay, you can get a guy in the beginning like Rashad Bateman.
1: All right. Now I told you here. Now here's the last question because. I'm going to come back to Trey Hendrickson. Don't, can't you see him, though, because he had a really good year. I know you're talking – I know the Saints have a good secondary, as you pointed out, and it made it easier for him to boost up the the, the sacks, right, the amount of sacks that he's got. Don't you think it's also possible that you know part of that is also that he's improved? As my boy John said, like he was hidden behind guys. Don't you think this could be like onto something where you can actually get a good player? I'm not saying he's going to be the next Kobe. Jack Barrett, but – could you still get a guy? Would you still be open to a guy who's still a high producing guy on a better bargain value? How do you feel about that?
2: No, he definitely could be. And again, like I said, it comes down to price. Like, I mean, like a guy even like Juju or Trey, like a middle of the ground guy, like it depending on what they're going to be making, I would maybe do it. But the way I'm looking at it, me is, you know, I'm getting the top guy with the top money, or I'm going to spend like Joe did one year deals on, you know, Okay, guys, and supplement that way and then build do the draft. So with Hendrickson, I mean, I just the way I evaluated and I actually gave him extra time. I figured, you know, most quarterbacks have three to four seconds in the pocket. I gave him five. I watched all of his sack plays and gave him five seconds before he broke from the offensive lineman that was on him. And I would think, I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but I'm pretty confident it was eight or nine came after the five seconds, the break from the 13 and a half, which would be about five, four and a half, six and a half, which is what he did the year before. Okay. so that's, also that's lead our, the, Which would also lead our team, right? <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, the bar is so low. I mean, it'd be great, but I don't want, I mean, if he, if I could pay him under 10 million, I would do it over 10 million. I would seriously consider it. Because again, I feel like for 20, I'm getting a guy like Shaq or for like 15, 16, I'm getting a guy like Aguari. So,
0: all right, yeah, let, yeah, let's uh, I mean, I, yeah, I agree. I'm, I think we're all kind of on the same page here. It just really depends if he's gonna, if Shaq's available, if he's gonna overspend there, or if he's gonna look for value. And then we'll, 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 we'll do the draft stuff on a different episode because we have to do, let's just try to finish up uh, the middle of the defense. We've got the linebacker, CJ Mosley, coming back. I know Alex is sick to his stomach that, how about that contract? Um, and CJ not playing. So, but we have him back. is going to be our Sam linebacker. Um, uh, but we have no Mike, dude. We have no Mike. Uh, Cashman could play the will, maybe. Um, actually news today, the Jets did not tender, um, Harvey, uh, Lange. So he, he's not going to be on our team probably, but maybe Hewitt will be back. But we need a Mike linebacker, man. Are there any? The only person I kinda see maybe hanging out as the will is maybe KJ Wright, who was with Salah back in Seattle. Maybe he's gonna be cheap. He only made like a six million guaranteed over the last couple of years. I don't think he's gonna be expensive. Um I feel like maybe he can come back which also, like maybe Sherman on 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 the cornerback, maybe something like that. Them together. But do you have any thoughts, like to to help us out with besides the draft of the mic, or do you think the the mic's going to come from the draft. So I, I kind of, I'm kind of leaning that way.
2: Yeah. The way, and it's interesting because like when, when we got into the 4-3 and like is that that transition in my mind, pass rush wise, I got all excited. I was like, man, you know, Q, John Franklin Myers, Hoff, these guys were build for the 4-3. Then I thought about the linebacker situation and I got uneasy. Yeah. <laughs> you need, you need, and you have one solid middle linebacker that can do everything and then two outside 4-3 linebackers but the difference in a 4-3 on like a 3-4 is you want guys that instead of being more of a pass rush you want guys that are excellent dropping back into coverage so I think CJ Mosley without a doubt is going to be the middle linebacker the main guy easily hopefully he just has to stay healthy that's the main key but what we need are those two 4-3 outside linebackers I said in my article I didn't think Hewitt would be a bad option because again if you look at Hewitt He's not bad in pass coverage. I mean, he's not the greatest, but he's not a liability at all. He's actually quite great in pursuit and pretty decent, you know, in man coverage, not as much zone. But – uh, and he's an okay rusher. He'll get, like, maybe three, four sacks a season. So I actually think he wouldn't be a bad option. Like, he's not the best option, but I don't think he'd be a bad option at the 4-3 outside linebacker, depending on how much he wants to be re-signed for. The other one, this is, again, my my reasoning – with the 23rd overall pick, there were a ton of guys I wanted. J.C. Horn, uh, Creed Humphrey, but so many guys that I wanted. When I realized we needed that, my, my mentality shifted, and you guys might have saw it on Twitter, I got really big into Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. I feel like we need him, he would be the missing piece that that solid defense needs. Another guy like Mosley that can drop back into coverage, play excellent coverage, but is a decent pass rusher as well. In free agency, there's guys like Kyle Van He would be an interesting option. I mean, he's not great on a, he's, he's decent in pass coverage, but he's not a great pass rusher, but he wouldn't be a bad option. Uh, I don't remember if Jaron Brown is shaking free. I'll have to honestly check that. I'm not hundred percent. Those are two guys that could be good options in free agency, but in the draft, man, I've really transitioned to a Wusu Kormo cool
0: yeah I I really don't think there's gonna be really you, you really think CJ's gonna be playing the mic I kind of see him on the side as a, as, as a Sam like on the, on the strong because he just he loves to just hang out like rush the rush the backer run behind I feel like the the lineman I, I don't really think he's gonna strive as a mic I mean maybe wow. I'm crazy I don't know He's I also mean, been he's, at the game for two years
2: yeah he was also I mean that's the thing and I you, you pointed that out uh, uh you you pointed it out as well you know saying uh With the the contract, it's bothered me too. And I tweeted it out like a couple of months ago. Like we paid this guy 50, I'm pretty sure it was like 57 and a half million dollars with like a significant chunk of it guaranteed. I think it's, I'll have to look it up exactly. I think it's 40 something, give or take. He's played like two games in two years. So that's tough to justify in any way, shape, or form. But when he's healthy, he was signed and paid specifically to be the Mike in the three-four system. He's a leader. What you want in that guy is you want a guy that's a leader on and off the field, vocal, extremely fast and agile, excellent in pass coverage, can call the offensive call the offense out for certain formation shifts and make those adjustments. Mosley was paid to be that guy. See, I totally. Totally think he'd be the leader there. And that's why we just need the outside guys. And again, that's why I think a combination of Ewitt, who could be okay, and Jock, who could be insane, like a Wusukoromoa could be insane at that spot. I think that could solidify that front seven really well.
1: No, that's, I mean, I would love to, I don't know. I think the thing that hangs me up is just CJ Mosley, just missing time. Like I just, as a fan, that just like bothers me because I don't know. We like, we point, like it's pointed out, like we don't know what we're going to get back here. And um I don't know. What do you think? So like for the, for the outside, for the linebacker landscape, for what we need, do you think it's, do we have, we don't have all the answers on this team. So unless you think so for right now, like, what do you think is moving? What do you think is moving? What do you think is moving forward with Joe Douglas? How
2: are we maneuvering this? <laughs> I think it's again addressing, like Douglas said. I I love so many things about him. Specifically, you have to like, you have to like, you have to listen to him speak. And then I do it when I do the press conferences because I retweet out what he said. I watch each clip like four or five or six mm-hmm. times because I'm specifically listening to the words he's using because he's yeah. so deliberate in what he chooses. Yeah. It's it's I love that. I mean, again, it's just the something we you need, like a GM that's just brilliant enough to be able yeah. to do that. He literally said when opportunity meets value. So I think he understands mm-hmm. we need to address where the needs are. And okay, we obviously need an elite edge rusher on that four-three front. We need good coverage linebackers and we need a solid cornerback one because hall and other guys can be a cb2 but we need that top guy i think it could be richard sherman again if jc horn is available in the draft i wouldn't hate that pick in any way shape or form i've loved this kid for three years like i've literally i point this out like a couple like a couple of months back i'm like annoyed because like all the guys that i was super high on is like sophomores and juniors everybody found out about like i loved horn like i was a huge guy on horn <laughs> back in 20 like 19 beginning of 2019 when he was considered a third round pick i was like this kid has everything you i, I would look for mm-hmm. and now now we'll be lucky if we get him a 23 yeah that you know that's how i feel about uh I was feeling about
0: Wyatt davis just like mm-hmm. oh we'll get into and then honestly mika parsons dude like I, nobody was talking about mika parsons like they were like all of a sudden he's like a top 5 pick like what Like, he's been literally a third-round pick, then a second-round pick, like, all year. Like, for the last couple—and then all of a sudden, like, right before the season started, it was like, okay, best linebacker, and now all of a sudden he's a top-five pick. He's actually one of the guys that I was hoping could fall to us. Another guy, though, that I feel like maybe a late-rounder is Chas Surratt. I don't know if you have any insights on him, but Mm -hmm. he's a quarterback that turned linebacker for UNC— And he's been an absolute beast, man. Like, uh, even watching him, like during during the season, he's been a beast. He had he has like weird plays, right? Like the first play he's ever had, he completely whiffed and he gave up an insane touchdown, literally the first play. So you know, and like, and so from there, he's obviously gotten better. But in the Senior Bowl, he absolutely killed it. I'm really hoping we can get something like that. And you know, when speaking of the cornerbacks, I I agree. Bless Austin Bryce Huff; they're good as like as a two or three. But we need to address the one, and I wouldn't be mad if it's going to be in the draft, especially because we have seventeen million dollars still for my boy TJ. He's still on the books, Tremaine Johnson. So I don't know if we're going to, you know, pay another cornerback like that. Like Alex always likes to talk about, like the like the percentages almost in a position. We can't just like keep feeding money into the same position over and over. So we have a Richard Sherman who could be cheap. But let me ask you about, so one, I want to get your take on uh, Chester, but I also want to get your take on this one, because I know you like Sherman. Mm-hmm. But Malcolm Butler was cut today, and Malcolm Butler, it feels like he had an off year, right? He was first in solo tackles, first in targets, first in receptions allowed, and tied for third in interceptions. That's the off year he had for the Titans, I mean, (laughs) that doesn't sound too bad to me, to be honest with you. As a number one, you could also put Sherman. Like, Sherman is not a head case. Like, put Sherman over here. You have Butler together. And then, you know, let Bryce Huff and Bless Austin hang out. We don't owe them anything. You know what I mean? Yeah.
2: I mean, having somebody like Butler as a CB 2 isn't a bad thing. The way I look at Butler is, especially this last year, we see this with a lot of times with players, There'll be an average guy that will turn around and have a ridiculous season, one season, just because, you know, of need or the way he was played or the percentage of snaps he got or the throws in his direction, whatever it was. But I'm I'm Malcolm Butler. I mean, I view him as an excellent CB2, but I view him as a little bit of a liability as a CB1. I mean, he's not a young guy. I mean, Sherman isn't either, but Sherman is like, even Darrell Revis couldn't withstand the test of time. Richard Sherman had. Richard Sherman is amazing. Everyone says he lost a step last year. He was hurt. Richard Sherman was injured. He wasn't the same normal Richard Sherman. Just the year before that, he was one of the best guys in the league at 32 years old, which is crazy. Like, that's not normal at the cornerback position. And when it specifically comes to the ability to press a guy at the line of scrimmage, cover within 10 yards, and specifically zone coverage and quarterback awareness to the throw, I still think Sherman is one of the best in the league in those things, hands down. Sherman is still one of the best in the league. So he would be an excellent immediate plug-and-play CB1. Hell, best case scenario, Hall beats him out, Sherman CB2. That's awesome, too. I'm cool with that. But Sherman brings something the other guys don't. He brings his leadership. He's an invaluable piece of the puzzle. He literally, you know, when we got Salah, he championed him. He wanted. He was the first one to tell Watson to come here. And that's no surprise because he's like Salah in player four. Sherman is motivated. He's energizing the play. He rallies everybody up. He will get them so psyched on the field. Between him and Salah, someone's gonna have a heart attack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. And I think Salah so, might I, be me. I, I think I think Sherman's like a lock to come in here, honestly. I don't Hope I don't think so, man. I do. I think I think he is. I mean, look, he's been with Salah since Seattle to the 49ers. Now it's gonna be the New York Jets. Uh, I just I I feel like the writing's on the wall. Um if he's champion championing uh Deshaun Watson to sign to go to the Jets, like to ask for a trade there. I can only imagine that he'd want to come here too. I mean, you gotta put your money where your mouth is, right? If you're championing for someone to go somewhere and if like you get the opportunity to go somewhere. I mean, Sherman has a ring, you know. I don't know how much farther you're thinking that you're gonna go in San Francisco. I know he's from that area. I know he went to Stanford, I know he's a, a California kid. Um But, it, you know, New York, New York City, Jets, uh, Salah, like, everything just seems like he's going to be there. And I feel like Salah is just telling him, like, look, man, I need leadership on this team. You know, this team is very young. Uh, If we, like, we're going to have Marcus May, but outside of that, like, who else are you going to rely on? Like, Q Will, like, Sam Donald's still up in the air as an iffy situation, but you're going to need some veteran leadership. To batch with CJ Mosley, um, if you're gonna, if he, if he is true, if he's going to be one of those other leaders, right? So like, uh, if he plays, he just, yeah, yeah. If he plays, <laughs> he's actually on the field. So that's why I feel like Sherman's kind of a lock. I feel like, I feel like if, if I also feel like that Joe Douglas, like working with the coaches, like, all right, we'll we'll give him a, we're not gonna like burst the bank on Sherman, but we're gonna give him like he's a He's not gonna make a lot. Yeah, like, gonna...
2: I, I guarantee his contract's gonna be seven, eight million a year, probably almost all of it guaranteed. Remember, he,
0: remember, he has no agent. He he negotiates his own contracts. So oh, he's Richard
2: Sherman's I'll, I'll, amazing. I love this guy. I'll take Joe he's Douglas. I'll take Joe Douglas at the table versus Sherman. <laughs> I would pay money to be a fly on the wall during that interaction.
0: <laughs> oh man, that, there's actually nothing in the world I would love more. But that, that that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> like yeah, I, I would literally love to be in that room.
2: Yeah, but no, Richard Sherman's brilliant. I remember I put a video up right when we signed Sala. He's the one that sold me. Like, I was always – I liked Salah a lot. But every time I heard Richard Sherman talk about Robert Salah, I was just like – I was ready to, like, anoint this guy emperor. Like, it's just – This is all part
0: of his plan, Harrison. This is all (laughs) part of Sherman's plan. He knows he needs a contract. He's a smart guy. you know,
2: he's a West Coast guy. Like, he was, but you got to look at it as, like you said, he followed Salah through the West Coast, followed him with Seattle, followed him with the Niners. Why can't he – he's almost done with his career. He could easily keep his house in California. He'll rent a place here. He'll rent a place for like a year or two. It's not a big deal. I definitely see him following Sal here.
0: All right. Yeah, and I think that's going to wrap it up uh, for the defensive uh, part, unless you guys have anything to add. Nope. Uh, Okay, so again, if you need um, to catch up on Harrison's edge rushers – your York, uh, takeflightmedia.org. If you need to read about Marcus May, or money Marcus May, as I like to call him, Alex, uh, you mm-hmm. can read up on him uh, on the Jet Press. So jumping to the offense, and Alex and Harrison could not stop screaming about the offense. Like, we we're talking about the defensive side, and I agree. We are so excited about this offense. And Harrison, you love the offensive line, and yeah. you agree, just as I do, and just as... Alex does, and Joe Douglas, finally, our GM and our coach. Like, we all want to build to the offensive line. And we saw it last year. We got Big 77, the big ticket, Makai Becton. He's holding down the left side. And then that's pretty much it. So we have Font, who was arguably the only signing that made do last year that ruined us from getting a comp pick for Robbie Anderson, which still hurts me inside because literally nobody else played like Patrick. Like literally we got, we got a pick stolen from us for font. So font, I need you to do something. So he, he's on our <laughs> right. He's, he's on our right side. He's been our, he's been a, you know, decently reliable piece for us. If we cut him, we get two million dead cap, six million dollars in savings. So I'm pretty sure he's staying. We have Josh Andrews gone. We have Van Roten, who's probably going to be gone, a local guy from Long Island with zero dead cap and three and a half million in savings. Another guard, we got Alex Lewis. He would be one, 1.6 in dead cap, about five million in savings if we cut him. So he's probably gone or two. So basically what we're left with is Makai Beckton on the left. We got Font on the right. And then we have Harrison's boy. Connor McGovern as center. I wouldn't call him my boy. I'm not. I aware. know. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> the opposite. Uh, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. So, I mean, that that's
2: what we have. So, I'll, I'll, I'll let you take the floor, Harrison. Awesome, man. So, again, I, I always talk about, you know, just so many GMs in the past. Just I, I've hated them. I just so many things they do wrong. There's so many things I love about Joe Douglas, and that's just another one. I'm a huge offensive line guy. Like My whole philosophy has always been that I've always I literally quoted it, that football like war is won and lost in the trenches, 100%. And that goes on both sides of the ball. Offensive linemen, but also defensive linemen, and I count edge rushers in that defensive line situation. That's where football is won and lost. That's where the trenches are fought. That's where the blood is thrown. Those are the guys that don't get appreciated, especially the offensive linemen, but deserve the appreciation hundred percent. So we got Makai Becton on left tackle, who, I mean, this guy is not only amazing. I loved him. i talk talked about him forever. He was, I, he was the guy I wanted. He was the guy for over two years. Since we took Sam, I've been high on Makai Becton. I've been telling everybody, the security jo- uh, guy at my school that I work at, I couldn't shut up about Becton. I've been telling him <laughs> about Becton for like almost two years, basically. And he was like, he couldn't believe it when, because I've always been talking about him. He runs in that day. He's like, they got Becton. Because uh, he's amazing. I I, I love that he took him. Great pick. He should have been in the Pro Bowl. Like, it's ridiculous. Him and Q, no excuse that they weren't in the Pro Bowl. Totally NFL dropped the ball on that. Totally dropped the ball. But Becton's awesome. The way I look at it is he wasn't good, but he wasn't bad. He was, like, average-ish, sometimes bad. But he's a tremendous athlete. Like, he's, like, one of the most athletic offensive linemen, like, in the league. Like he can line up and play tight end. This guy's crazy athletic. So I would leave the tackles alone, and the interior mm-hmm. of that line is a freaking train wreck. Like the interior of that line is horrible. So some people want guys like Corey Lindsley. I totally think that's the wrong move. Because again, you look at Lindsley. He's 29 years old. He had a great year last season. First year time. Uh, first team all pro. Excellent season. That was it. The year before that, he actually got horrible PFF grades allowed five sacks. Year before that, he had average grades allowed four sacks. Year before that, he was bad again. He isn't consistently been a top guy. And I don't, because he was a first team all pro, kind of like that thing with Hendrickson. I think someone's going to overpay him. Someone's going to just look at the last year alone and throw money at the guy. So center is the most important position on the offensive line. It's literally the QB of the offensive line. I can't, you guys know how many times did Nick Mangold adjust the play for Mark Sanchez? Like, it's oh ridiculous. that God. center is so important. I don't want to, I want to draft a guy. I want the next Nick Mangold. I've been saying it for six months. All of my drafts have always had this guy. The next Nick Mangold is going to be Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey is amazing. Do you know Creed Humphrey at Oklahoma had over 1260 passing snaps? You know how many sacks he allowed? Zip. Zero. Yeah. Not a single one. This kid is amazing. He's a physical bull like Mangold, but he's tremendously athletic. I totally want to address center in the draft. Even if it's Landon Dickerson, who well, I love yes. a too, but I like, I like Humphrey more, but I would take Dickerson. Honestly, I wouldn't be mad. I just yes. prefer Humphrey, but you got to address center in draft. We need the next staple of that line. You got backed in. At guard, I think uh Alex Lewis is definitely gone. I, I wrote a whole article about offensive linemen. I think his technique is garbage, so I don't even like him at all. I think he basically just wins with strength, and that's the only reason he's even somewhat good sometimes. Ven Roten, he's an interesting situation because he's a local Long Island boy. And with the Panthers for three years, he was an average guy. And you know, after the offensive line play in 2019. Average is a breath of fresh air. I was like, average is great. This guy's going to be a starter, (laughs) but he wasn't that good this year, but he's only making three and a half million. So I might keep Van Roten on his depth, but you mentioned Connor McGovern before. Connor McGovern is an excellent run blocker, excellent run blocker. But he's a freaking liability in pass coverage. Like, I can't tell you how many times he let guys blow by him. And, you know, Sam, when the center can't pass cover, that's the worst thing for you. Because you're worried about the guys coming on the edge. You're not supposed to worry about the guy coming in the middle. That's not supposed to be a problem. So I would literally cut McGovern if it weren't for the fact that he had such a big contract. But because he does, I'd move him to guard and try him there because he's such a good run walker. So that's that's how I would address the offensive line, and of course, of course, Page Joker. Oh
1: <laughs> yeah. my God! First of all, okay, hold, 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 hold. Harrison is like speaking my love language about the center position. Did you play football in high school or in college or something like that? I did. Yeah, I did. And I,
2: I. It's funny, actually. I joke about this. I wrote an article about it. I started as an offensive lineman. But dude, you have to be brilliant to be an offensive lineman. I kept screwing it up. I couldn't do it. I kept hitting the B gap instead of the A gap. I kept blocking the wrong guy. I was always getting yelled at. So finally the coach took my ass, turned me around and said, Okay, you're an end now, and your job is to get to the cornerback. Because okay. I just I I couldn't I couldn't figure it out. Like I just I was okay, but I missed my block more often than not. Man, offensive linemen do not get enough credit, and they are one hundred percent the backbone of every team.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So funny story. I played, uh, I, I actually pl- I played football in uh, high school as well. Uh, had the opportunity to play in college. I chose not to because my team was just bad, just bad experiences. Um, I liked the guys I played with. It was just overall, just like when you're on, losing teams and stuff like that, just like constantly. And you're putting and you're getting in in August and you're doing two a days, sometimes three a days, and you're not seeing the return from all the hard work. It's kind of hard to be like, yeah, let me just do this for another. Let me just sign up for another four years and uh, go through this for a college program, which is much more intense and you start in July. Um, so I played left guard freshman year. I So I weigh, I weigh about 70. I weigh like a buck 78 right now. When I was in high school, I weighed 195 pounds, 200 pounds. So I was much larger than I am now. I started off a left guard. Then so I we were about center. the same size. <laughs> I went to center. I went to center, um, and then I lost weight from my junior year to senior year, and I actually dropped from like one ninety five to one sixty five, and I became a wide receiver because I always had. Feet, I always had. I can always cool. run fast. Like I did track and all that stuff, and I wrestled, so I lost mad weight, but. Uh, it's so funny that to hear someone just talk about the center and actually understand that the center is like the quarterback of the line and he's actually yeah. adjusting everything on the line he has to know everyone's single assignment from tackle to tight end or if you're playing too tight end like you have to know who everyone's blocking and you have to adjust while not even getting to see the entire field you have to see the entire front seven Be like, all right we're well, going over there you're going over there let's let's stop this and you're calling for support it's Breath of Fresh Air. Breath, I just have yeah. to say that. Breath of Fresh, no fresh Air. And I, I love have literally, like, yeah.
2: Like with Mark Sanchez, I have literally seen uh, Nick Mangold, like, while he's in the snap formation, turn around and say something to him. <laughs> yeah. Or before, before before the play. Standing and right pointing. Up. Yeah. That's like exactly. that's like his signature. That's, like, all exactly. I see.
0: Yeah, when I think, think say of say Nick that that Mangold, I think of him, like, literally just standing, like, like, kind of crouched down, just looking up and pointing. Like, that yeah, is, is what want I see. I
2: think, <laughs> but then even beyond that, just how, I love Nick. He's just so smart. I've literally seen him Walk over to like a garter tackle and like tell him something like you know this guy's coming or I I'm just imagining what he's saying but you see him walk to the guy and say something to him like that's centers don't normally do that like that's what I'm looking for and I just I feel like I see that in Creed I like Landon Dickerson a lot but I see that in Creed
1: I would love for the Jets to address center that center is such an important position I've been banging this yep. drum with John and I like we like we you know during the regular season we always joked it was like yo everything's just being funneled through the center like sam has no time like it's hard for me to like get on sam like when you legit have just someone like running straight at you every single play because no one can b- block and pass coverage but just a breath of fresh air i just wanted i just had to get that out there sorry for the
0: little uh, sidetrack yeah. and the uh... <laughs> <laughs> no yeah you know i mean no he's right you guys are both right i mean kevin mawai nick mangold our team was different when they were there my only issue with Connor McGovern when I'm watching the tape, yes, I, like, ask Alex. Week by week, we're going through, and, and sometimes I'm getting, a like, you know, a little tight, head McGovern. But how much is it on him, and how much is it on our guards, Harrison? Because I know you're watching the tape, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can look at you, in the, like, I can look right at you and tell you, it was atrocious when we had Pat Alfie yeah. and Josh Andrews and, and Alex Lewis. And, like, how much can he even do? Like, literally, like the guards are, like, getting off their feet and, like, people are running towards, like, the, the quarterback with, with reckless abandon because the guards aren't guarding. So how much is that on McGovern and how much is that on the guards?
2: I'm so glad you brought that up because that's part of the reason I'm against McGovern because, again, if Nick Mangold was there that shit ain't happening he's gonna say something to those guards or he's gonna pick up the slack or figure out a way to do it McGovern's biggest issue is I mean I love the I like the guy he's a nice guy from what I've you know seen him speak and everything but there is a certain like with the quarterback position there's a certain cerebral aspect that's required as a center and if your guards are failing that miserably if you're failing with them it's on you as the center yeah. Okay, so we're all on board
0: with Becton on the left. We're all on board with paying Thuny, literally whatever he wants, blank check, making the, the highest save guard. Yeah, making the highest guard. And then Dickerson or Creed Humphrey, I've been screaming about them both. I need them with that second round pick. Whoever falls to the second round, just take him, whoever it is. Yeah. If it's not Creed or whatever, we're sorry. If it's not Dickerson, we're sorry. Like, whatever lands there, that's, that's who I want. Font, I can... I can hang out. Uh, He's fine. Like if we if we get if we get Sewell, that'd be you know somehow that'd be fine. If we trade you know for the Ravens left tackle, put him at left tackle, and Becton who had a full year as a junior at Louisville at right tackle, throw him there. I think that'll be fine. I think another guy we don't talk about is Cam Clark, who we drafted last year, and Mm he he's he was a captain. Uh, Duke Mayweather, who literally sees every single, who sees all the best offensive linemen, including Becton, and including another guy, uh, Rayshon Slater, who's going to come out and he's probably going to be a hot draft pick. Like he, he sees all of them. Every time I tweet at him, like multiple times now, he always comes back at me. He says Cam Clark is really good. He can play any position. So I'm kind of ready for the Cam Clark transition into this league whether it's going to be the right guard or if he overtakes fonts you know right tackle spot cuz he's yeah. not always available but i want to get your opinion on uh, Wyatt Davis and Vera Tucker who also play the outside run z- zone scheme and like that's what we care about like we can't we can't run everything to the left. Like if we have Becton and Thuney and then we have this center, like we'd need somebody on the right side. And I I don't want it to be Van Rowan. I'm sure he'll be fine if that's what if it's stacked like that. But if it's like Van Rowan and Font and then Font's out and the Doga's gone and like we don't really know what's happening now and Clark maybe is in you know? Like that's what scares me. So what do you think about uh those guards there and Cam Clark?
2: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up Cam Clark is check I tweeted it literally in May, right after we drafted him. I said that I loved the Cameron Clark click because like Joe said, when they took him, he plays with a nasty streak. And that's kind of the reason that even though Pat Elfline has only been okay, I'm a big fan of this because, again, offensive line is really important to me. I like offensive guards that play with a nasty streak. I like guys that put people down, that, like, take offense to it, that play angry. And that's Cameron Clark. You watch him in college. He enjoyed putting guys down. That was a big thing with him. He's a huge finisher when it comes to blocking. And I think offensive linemen is one of the few positions still in the NFL where there's a learning curve. Every other position is plug and play. Offensive lineman is not that. So I said that I didn't think Clark would play at all this year, but I figured that by next season, he'll be starting at one of the guard positions. And I think he's just better at guard because of that nasty streak. Again, Fant is just so unbelievably athletic that I'd leave him at the tackle because him and Beckton are the kind of guys like you can send them 10, 15 yards downfield to make a block. Like that's crazy. Like the fact that both of them could like keep up with a running back and block downfield. Like that's insanity. Uh, but Clark, I think, could easily be a starter. And in all my offensive line uh, tweets, check them out. I always had Beckton at left tackle, Thuny at left guard, unless Thuny wasn't going, and then I'll tell you what I was going to do. Uh, Creed at center, and then at right guard, I always said McGovern or Clark. Always said that because I felt like Clark could beat him out. And the way I look at it is I don't care if McGovern's got a big contract. In the way, I, the best guy always plays. So if McGovern has to, he'll be an expensive backup. That's the way I look at it. If Clark beats him out, Clark beats him out. I don't care that McGovern's got a big contract. He could ride the bench for the year and then be cut the following year. So the way I look at it, though, interesting, you mentioned Wyatt Davis. I'm huge on him. Same thing with Landon Dickerson. I think both of their injuries are overplayed a little bit. I think I point this out like a lot of times, too, when I look at people say injury-prone, injury-prone. The way I look at it is this is the NFL. I mean, anyone who's played football will tell you, 90% 90% of the guys are playing hurt. I mean, this is a very physical, aggressive league. So the way I look at it is if it's like a play where the guy gets hurt, where you're just like, oh, man, like, damn, like, how could he not have gotten hurt? That doesn't bother me as much. Like, can he bounce back from that? I get nervous about the guys that make a cut and break their angle or, like, bend their knee like a play where they shouldn't have gotten hurt. That's I more Harrison, I, I
0: need to be honest ain't to be honest, man. I've been on Wyatt yeah. Davis all year. Literally, I've watched, I watch a lot of college football. I'm, I was screaming at Alex. Ask him. Talk about the group chats. Uh, like, ask him. Screaming about Wyatt Davis. When that, when he got injured in that play in the national championship game, I went, I had a heart, like I, my heart, I went nuts, like I literally and it was a nasty went nuts. Injury. It
2: wasn't like
0: he just uh, fell. So over. like, so like, <laughs> yeah, like, I, like, so you bringing that up, like I try not even to think about it. Like, I, I, I just like, I'm just like, yo, he's fine, but like it kind of worries me. So, are you not worried about that
2: injury? I mean, like I said, that's the way I look at it is if it was a devastating injury, like obviously it could still be a bad injury. But if it was something devastating like that, then I feel like you got to do your due diligence, you know, make sure the guy is rebounded, he's rehabbing, he's working at it. Because most people can come back from that kind of stuff, depending on the injury. My big fear with like injury flags and red flags are either A, like I said, if he hurts himself, like in a play where, you know, you're like, oh, that, that, you know, that didn't look that nasty or B, where it's the same part. Like, it's the same body part consistently getting hurt. So, like, him and Dickerson, like, Dickerson looked good in the Senior Bowl. I'm not as worried, but, again, due diligence. That's where Douglas has to come in. Do your due diligence. Make sure, you know, they're healthy, that they're rehabbing, they're doing the right things. But I've said this before myself. You probably agree, because you're such a big Davis guy. People don't realize how huge of a drop-off there is at guard when you get past guys like Slater and Davis. Like, once they're gone, it's like, those are top guys. And then everyone else... Could be a third round pick. Could arguably be a fourth round pick. Uh, no except Tucker. I was no going to say, Tucker. except Barrett Tucker. And that's an interesting one. I know I'm unique in this perspective because again, I talk about measurables. People are like, he's six three. He's 300 pounds. He's got to be a guard. But when I watch this kid play, his wingspan is ridiculous. Like for a six foot three guy, you would think he's six five, six six. He's got a big wingspan. He's got excellent, flawless technique. And he's got really, really fast feet. He's a technician more than, you know, a mower. So I personally, I think everyone's wrong. They say, you know, he's going to make a great guard. I think he'll make a good guard. But I think this kid was born to play tackle. I think this kid was born to be an offensive tackle. And he's going to be one of those guys where you're like, oh, yeah, the measurables don't make sense. But he's just one of those guys. That's just an outstanding tackle because he just – the tackle, in my opinion, I look for different archetypes with tackles and guards, and I just love what I see from them as a tackle. Like, I could move him to guard, but, man, if I took Vera Tucker, I'd probably put him at right tackle.
0: Nice. Alex, what do you got on our offensive line, man? How do you how do you feel about, you know, what Harrison got us? Uh, I mean, I know we're all on Thune. Uh, you've been screaming that with us, too, but how do you feel about the center and the right guard and Cam Clark? I mean, I am excited for Cam, Cam
1: Clark. I, I like Harrison pointed out. Oh, line take. It, there's a there's a strict there's a higher learning curve. Kind of goes with like quarterback because there's a lot of like there's a big thought process to it. It's not just all right. You get up to the line, just block somebody. There's actually a whole scheme and fit when it comes to the offensive line and just like all right, why, when do you block in this situation? Who do you go after? Do you stay on the first level? Do you go to the second level? How do you, like there, there's a whole body of work that goes into the offensive line that just gets missed it's also why like i like running back this is why i'm like so low on running backs is because you can just give the running back a ball and like if he's talented he's talented he's just fine to go like don't have to worry like you can plug in a rookie running back and he'd be he can be great that's why i'm just like not on paying running backs a lot of money uh offensive line like it takes time like those are those are there's a legit you're you're going your offensive line you have to Plan for each different team every single week, and how you're going to block, and who's the best person that you're guarding. There's there's a level of like detail you have to get into for the offensive line, and that's why it's so like this is why they're like unsung heroes. It's like the quarterback, like the quarterback's looking at the back, like like at the entire like landscape. The offensive line is just looking at the front seven, just like all right, what are they trying to do? Let's try to figure this out. Um, everyone else is just kind of like you know wide receivers you're trying to figure out the you're just trying to get into your routes, trying to break free and get open. Running backs, you're just trying to look for space. Those guys it just takes time. But I really like what Harrison said. He sold me on uh the center. Who's I'm not big into the draft. Like I'm just like not not yet. I haven't like yeah. I'm not doing my big scouting yet. Like that's I'll be screaming not, at him soon.
2: And as Colin Murray, <laughs> Murray said the same thing. I mean, Murray literally said, you know, that creed kind of like like with yes, Mango, creed. you know with tell him you know things and was very helpful just everything i hear and read about creed like i love landon dickerson too but just i feel like creed is going to be our next nick mangle and like i would and if you look at our center position i mean uh schmidt i mean uh all these guys like i i could bring up the list there we've had such we've been spoiled we've had outstanding centers for like Ever. Years. Like, I'm going to bring it up for a sec. Like, cause it's just, it's insanity. Like, it's just ridiculous how many, like, the, the amazing amount of center, like, amazingness that we've had.
0: Like, I mean, we, we, we've been spoiled even in the recent years with Debrick and mangled, And mm-hmm. I think we're all on the same page where we're going to get, if we're going to draft a center, you know, and a guard, like, we're, we're, it's the same philosophy. You know what I mean? Are we going to sign a guard in the same year? Like, uh, Alan Fanica, like, we're, we're, it's literally, we're rebuilding the same exact team. Oh, so, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys. And, uh, well, you know, what I kind of want to add to that, you know, offensive line too, a Kyle check
2: Give me a fullback. I mean, I, I like the idea of a fullback, but I feel like Trayvon Wesco is a little underappreciated. I feel like that guy is a pretty legit. Okay. Player.
0: Okay. I like Wesco. I honestly like Wesco this year. It's an I, interesting one.
1: Like- <laughs> The whole fullback position is just so interesting because it seems like it's so, it's so antiquated at this point. Like, what is it? It's, it like
2: remember the days of Tony Richardson, oh,
0: the man, fullback days? John Connor. <laughs> <laughs> the Terminator, you know, the Terminator one was such a disappointment. Damn,
1: I know, but uh, but no, Tony Richardson was freaking great. Talk about a fullback. Um, I just don't think it's used anymore. I think everyone's just trying to spread it out. So you know, I'm not. Well, the floor not, does. Well, four does but like uh, yeah I, I guess like, college check give me a yeah, check. yeah but like <laughs> even still but even still like I feel like you can, like try with Wesco first before we start spending money on a fullback I don't know yeah. that's
2: I mean the way I look at opinion. it which is interesting like I'm glad you brought that up because like people talk about you know how I was talking about Johnny Smith or I'm huge on Johnny Smith love that kid. I'm tweeting about him a lot. And a lot of people say, why do we want Johnny Smith when we have Herndon? Because you know, the LaFleur offense specifically uses one tight end. But the way I look at it is you want to be like the anti-gates. And the anti-gase is mm-hmm. scheming, scheming the ability to adapt. So if you have two amazing tight ends, you run two tight end fronts more often than not. So I feel like offenses, you know, there's a certain formula you have, but if you're not willing to to change and scheme your offense around based on the talent you have on it, then you might as well just quit right now. You might as well call yourself Adam Gase.
1: <sighs> I mean, that's this is why I hate Adam Gase. <laughs> those, those be fighting words. <laughs> <laughs> Look, people like, first of all, people talk about, cause I follow the New York, we follow the New York Knicks. We saw David Fisdale. People like, and I, and the New York Knicks, it's a, it's a major fan base, right? There's probably like, before the Nets moved to Brooklyn, like, if you love basketball, there's only one team to, like, really root for unless it was the New Jersey Nets. It was the New York Knicks. Everyone's like, David Fizdale is the worst coach that we've ever seen. I'm just like, I challenge you, Adam Gase. If you really want to see what bad coaching is, please come watch a New York Jets game last season. If you wanted to just see a guy who's just, like, trying to put a square peg into a round hole on a consistent every single day basis— <laughs> Come, please, please watch Adam GaSe. With David Fizzi, I'm just like he's just trying to chill and have the vibes. Like he's at least trying to do something. Like he, like John always complains like for Julius Randle being uh like a point forward, but it's actually turning out this season. So I'm like, all right, so he had the vision, he just didn't know how to execute. Adam Gates didn't even have a vision, and he, did, I don't even know what the hell he was executing.
0: So that, <laughs> yeah.
1: that's all I got to say about Adam yeah. GaSe.
0: We're, we're 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 on we're on to, we're on to a whole new world here because I I, I even think that. Wide receivers are gonna wanna come here. And I mean you guys have been we've been you know in uh, hinting man, at it all episode do this? <laughs> hinting at all episode man. We got Mims who's gonna be the wide receiver too. We got Perryman who's gone. We got my boy Berrios as 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 a, the depth slot receiver, right? And then we have Jameson Crowder. Who, if we cut him, we save $10 million. If not, he's $11 million for wide receiver. What's the problem? And then we have the slate of wide receivers. We got the big guys, Galladay and Juju. You guys, oh, every, I mean, I think we're all on Galladay.
2: Yeah, they can't be in the same conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah no, so it, like
1: I, I would say I've been...
0: Asking for yeah.
1: God, uh, please, give so me... so it's just
0: Galladay. Right. okay. So okay, so okay, so okay. Boom. Let's just let's just get rid of that because we don't have to beat the you know beat the the, the dead horse in. We love Galde, pay him everything. So the question is, are we adding a Kendrick Bourne, a Will Fuller, a Richard Higgins, a Corey Davis to to add to the squad? Are we cut if we're not going to sign Jameson Crowder? Are we cutting him for ten million dollars in a cap you know space? Are we just going to restructure? Uh, Jameson Crowder's contract, where we could just extend him now, kind of save the money off the books now. Like, what, what, what's your take on the wide receivers? And, yeah. you know what, I'm gonna, let's, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna actually throw in the tight ends because they're right there. And you mentioned John Who Smith. Okay. And, and uh, I, am down for John U. Smith and Hunter Henry is also in that, you know, in that same pace because I'm thinking about Michael LaFleur. I'm thinking about Michael LaFleur and how he wants to run his scheme. And that's why I'm thinking use check. And that's why I'm thinking he needs a tight end like John U. Smith. We have Herndon. We can save, about a million dollars on Griffin. I think it's like a a one-and-a-half dead cap, but that's whatever. Like, you know, we can cut him for one of these big guys. I don't know. Like, are you signing one of these small wide receivers, cutting Crowder so you can pay John Smith? You know, and Galladay, like, how are you guys attacking the wide receiver and the tight
2: ends? Well, the beauty of the Jets right now is nobody needs to be cut to free up money. That's just the beauty of Joe Douglas. Nobody needs to be let go to free up anything because the money's there. It's there to spend. Like, I mean, they could literally go out and get like like Barrett Galladay giving blank checks, give Thune a blank check, and they still got uh, a good, probably 30-something million to spend if they want on other things. But you, all the guys you mentioned, Denzel Mims, you said, being a wide receiver too. People are already saying, you know, Denzel Mims can't be a wide receiver one. And my question is, well, why not? I mean, people tend to forget that Denzel Mims was supposed to be a first-round pick. He was projected very high. In fact, I did... Tons of mock drafts, like tons, like more than this year. Than I, I did much more the year before. I never got Mims because he never fell that far. I didn't even think Mims was on the radar. Like I wasn't even looking at him because I didn't think there was a chance we were going to get him. Figured he'd be way gone by the time we picked. And not only mm-hmm. did we get him, we traded back and got him. Which uh-huh. was the, bril- the brilliance <laughs> of Joe Douglas because he knows what everyone else is going to do too. But Mims in his first season, I mentioned it earlier, Rookies tend to get hurt. That's a normal thing. They're transitioning from college to the NFL. The NFL is almost like a different sport, really. Players get hurt. It happens all the time. And he had hamstring injuries. Hamstring injuries are like the one of a few injuries that consistently linger. That injury lingers the whole year. And he hurt both of his hamstrings. And he still put up 300-something yards. So let's think of it this way. Kenny Galladay, the wide receiver one we're talking about, in his rookie season, he put up less yardage than Denzel Mims. Less yardage. And he's a wide receiver one. Great wide receiver one. Allen Robinson, in his first season, only put him about 550. Mims has had one year. And again, he was supposed to be a first-round pick. I'm not saying he definitely is, but the idea that he can't be is crazy. I think he – I've watched a couple of plays. I tweeted out a couple of weeks ago these two or three plays he made that were just – man, he has it in him. He could definitely – definitely be a wide receiver one. And the idea of him and Galladay together is just salivating to me. And then Crowder in the slot because Crowder is consistently one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. He's been since he was taken. I mean, like we mentioned before, other guys that were one hit wonders, Crowder has always been a very good slot receiver. And you mentioned before he's heard sometimes, but not much. 11 million is not a lot of money. Like we said, you sign a guy like Samuel, he makes more. So, I'm not getting rid of Crowder. In fact, I would extend him. I mean, the kid's only 28 years old. He's probably good for another two, three years. I would restructure that contract and maybe save a little money in the process, but sign him for a couple more years. So I keep Crowder. Again, I think Nims could definitely be a wide receiver one. And you mentioned guys like Rashard Higgins. That's why I'm not going after a Juju Smith-Schuster. That's why I'm not going after a Curtis Samuel. Because to me, it's either you get the holiday or you go for a guy like Kendrick Bourne or Rashad Higgins. Rashad Higgins I think he's severely underappreciated, severely underappreciated. I've watched him and really liked him a lot from what I've seen in him. feel like he's not the fastest guy, but if you put the ball near him, he seems to make the catch, which is really impressive. Like, like, again, he's not fast, but he's got that wide receiver one potential of just making any catch that's near him. I went back and looked at the numbers. He averages like a 75-77% catch ratio every year. Every year he's played, he's pulled in like 75% of his targets, which is like, you know, like wide receiver two, but right there easily. So that's why I would sign a guy like Rashad Higgins, Kendrick Bourne. I would spend, I could probably get the two of them together for what it would cost to get like Curtis Samuel. So I would get like two of those guys if I don't get a guy like Galladay. But if I get a guy like Galladay, you don't have to get those guys. And if you don't get Galladay, maybe go wide receiver high, like uh, Rashad Bateman would be a good option. Uh, You mentioned tight end. Herndon was a massive disappointment last year. I mean, he had a couple of good games when the ball went his way, and people say it wasn't thrown to him enough, but I'm really high on Johnny Smith. I mean, I love this kid. When I watch him, he's a big physical tight end, but when he breaks away, you you would think he's a wide receiver. This guy is fast, like fast for a tight end, like really fast for a tight end. He's a
0: beast. Johnny Smith would change everything. So I like him a lot.
2: So, yeah, that's I think it's a little I'm...
0: unfair to Herndon. I think it's a little unfair to Herndon because of the offensive line issues. And because of the like, you mentioned the offensive line issues. Alex mentions the coach issues. Uh, uh, like, so what do you want the guy to do? <laughs> you know, Yes, he had the drops. The drops, one, like, yes. Like, you don't have to, like, no one will be more upset about those than me. I was going nuts watching those. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, John Smith is a whole different story. You're not putting Hunter Henry there either. Are you, are you not I mean, okay with him?
2: I um, and Hunter Henry, I mean, he was a high draft pick, and he hasn't really lived up to it, is how I've looked at it. John Smith was, I think he was a low draft pick. I'm not top of my head, I think he was a third round pick. I'd have to look it up, but he was a later round. Yeah, I believe he was the 100th overall pick in the 2017 draft, and he's been good. Hunter was a high pick, and he's been okay. I mean, he hasn't been great. He hasn't had that many good seasons. He's been okay. So the way I look at it is I'd rather spend less money on Inshonu than give a lot of money to a Hunter.
1: So Harrison, to answer your question, Jonah Smith was drafted in the third round, 100th pick. Oh, I know. 100th Exactly. Nice. There you go. So, um, no, I I agree with you. I like his – I actually had him on fantasy this past season. I like his play style. Love love how physical he is. He's fast. He's rated just to shed tacklers uh, off him. Like, it's just – I don't know. Just I don't even know what it is. He just sheds him off. I, I I was joking with uh John last week saying he is like the mascot because like they have that whole like the Titans have just like that that warrior like that legit Titan warrior, and that's pretty much who he is. He's just a warrior yeah. on the field. Um, I would be happy. Like I said on the last pod, like if we had to cut like if we had to cut like like I I I have this belief that Brian Griffin won't get cut just because that's Joe Douglas's first signing, and I'm just like I don't think he would. I don't know. I feel like there's just like something about it where it's just like, eh, we'll see. You didn't have really a good season, but I'll, I'll let you stick around for one more year and see what what the hell happens. But if we have a Jonah Smith on the way, I could see Griffin getting out of here and easily getting Jonah Smith out of but I just don't. Do you think Joe Douglas would pay money for a tight end like that? Like, I would be so happy if we got. I mean, again,
2: like I that. think it comes down to it, the, the beauty of Douglas, the words he uses. People heard, you know, the first part. They heard the I built through the draft. That's my philosophy. I supplement in free agency, but they missed the last sentence. The last sentence literally said, "When opportunity meets value, we will be aggressive." That's that's the key. Like he's literally, And I think I love John Smith, and I think he would fit perfectly in this kind of a system because of his speed and his athletic ability. But he's also a physical guy, like you said. He sheds guys off left and right, but he's ridiculously fast. With Ryan Griffin, I, I just a personal feeling on him. I'm cutting him regardless. And it's not because of money. I mean, he's not making a lot of money. And cutting in, you're almost losing as much as you're getting. With me, it kind of... Actually, you are more. You're literally one and a half dead cap,
0: and yeah. you only save Maybe a million. Like, just, you literally
2: lose more. It rubs me the wrong way. But you remember, he had a game where, he, uh, you know, he played really well for a while. He got that big payday. Four years, big payday. Yep. He got that injury. The beginning of last season, when he first came back after the injury, he literally said... I don't know if you remember this. He said the injury oh, mean- was devastating, yeah. and I'll never be the same. That just—that yeah. that just to me, like that just rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, okay, so we just paid you an extension, and the first thing you're saying to us is you will never be the same player. Okay, that's an interesting way to go about this. So I just personally, with me, just that just I, I'm cutting him just because of that. That, just, I remember that that rubbed me as a as a like if I were a GM, that rubs me the wrong way. Like I don't like that you said that.
1: Okay. Nah, I, nah, I agree with you. That, that makes no sense to just be like, eh, hey, I can't play the same. Thanks for the cash. Yeah. Later.
2: It's like, exactly. That's what it felt like. And I was like, okay, are you going to like give us back $11 million? Like, <laughs> what's
0: happening? <laughs> uh, sir, there's no returns yeah. here. <laughs> Oh. Speaking, yeah, speaking of, I, I wish we could do that, right? I wish we could do that with like, uh, with the returns of like the running back too. Like, I just don't oh, think we're gonna God. spend on, I would love John Smith. <laughs> I would love John Smith. I do think we're gonna spend on a tight end. Like, I know we're not spending on a running back. Like, I know that, uh, you know, Doosable is talking about the Jets signing Aaron Jones. And we're looking at, you know, Najee Harris. And the Jets are gonna be tied to everyone because the Jets have the money. The Jets have all of the money. And, Everybody's going to be tied to the Jets. Alan Robinson knew he was going to be cut, and he was liking Jet stuff for the last month and a half, getting us all riled up because he knew he was just trying to get the Bears pissed off. He's trying to George to his way out, and the best way he thought, you know, because he didn't get his big contract yet, he doesn't want to be a Jamal Adams. He learned that that's probably not the best way. He just started liking stuff on Twitter and getting us all. He knew that he knew that we're all going to retweet it and go nuts. And so I'm wondering if like all these guys are just flirting with us to get money, like Kirk Cousins, right? Like Kirk Cousins, like you know, did his whole documentary and he showed how he kind of like swooned the Jets just so he can make money. Like, I, yeah, no, I know that's not the case here. I know that's not the case, but I'm just well, I'm it used just to wondering because like
2: no, you're you're 100 right, dude. Yeah. It used to be the case, and Anthony Barr. Anthony freaking Barr, man, is the best example oh my of that. God. Cause he, oh. he literally did that. Like, and that's why I talk all the time about first Joe Douglas, but now Robert Sala, the culture change, if anything, is the biggest factor. Cause you said it yourself. We used to be, you know, the LOL jets narrative, the joke of the NFL, ha ha jokes on you. You deserve Adam Gase, all this garbage. And then being leveraged Anthony Barr literally like it wasn't even even hiding like he literally leveraged the jets to get a better contract with the vikings like it, it, it was obvious he literally did that admitted he did that so i feel like this this is now a culture change people want to come here they want to play here for robert Sala with joe douglas in charge and that is the key
0: oh my god yeah i i i, I agree that's what I'm i'm super excited about that Alex, what do you what do you think on the running backs from my receivers, man? Do you think that we're gonna like sign a big running back? Think sign. You think we're gonna sign John? I know. I know you're skeptical. I I know Alex doesn't think we're gonna sign a tight end. So I I know he doesn't think we're gonna sign a high a high running back. I I was thinking someone like Jamal Williams. Yes. Or someone like that. Yes. Or even like Kevin Coleman. Seen, I know he's not see, great, I, but
1: no. Keep uh, keep me far away from Tevin Coleman, but Jamal not Tevin Williams. Coleman, but I love Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, absolutely. I want a guy and who's actually healthy. Mike Davis, and, and not Mike Davis. Yes, Mike Davis. I, I, I literally. I, I would take I, Mike I'm cool Davis with too. Jamal
2: Williams, Mike Davis, backfield, and you don't have to take a running back. That's cool with me. My thing is like yeah. I, I like Ty Johnson.
1: I like Ty Johnson too. Uh, my thing for running backs is like we've seen it already. Like we see, we've seen it <laughs> with all these running backs who've high pick. Who've been high paid high draft picks and they just flame out and so like you're seeing Mike Davis just like succeed when Christian McCaffrey's out and you're like oh wow he's doing well you see Jamal Williams when Aaron Jones is not there you're like oh wow he's pretty good and you're just like I can get by with this like running backs are so interchangeable like this is not the this is not the early this is not the 1990s early 2000s where Curtis Martin walks into the Jerome Bettis, Curtis <laughs> Martin these guys were you know uh was it uh oh my God uh Jamal Lewis like all these guys like uh walking through the doors like Bel yeah Sean Alexander <laughs> um my God was he exposed after he last left Seattle uh yeah but like but like these guys were like you know true bell cows like we only have one running back we work with them it's not like that anymore like it's not happening so like why even spend yeah. money? like Christian McCaffrey? Saquon Barkley, all these guys are animals. I will not tell you otherwise. They are they are spectacles to watch. However, you don't need like we just watched the Kansas City Chiefs not need Kareem Hunt to make it far. So like I'm I'm fine. It, it's, well, to be like, fair, like, Edwards Hilaire is pretty good. He's pretty. Yeah, awesome. I mean Edwards Hilaire is pretty yeah. good too. I mean, but it's it's my
0: point is like you don't need to spend big on the guys. That's all. I'm. That's all. You, I'm you better saying. argument that's, is that's Fournette. The better argument there is Fournette. Just he yeah, it was free, I mean, and I mean, he won, I mean. and he won the, and he won the playoffs, playoff yeah. Lenny, and the
2: and Super Bowl, literally.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, running back. What's interesting is you know Aaron Jones is a free agent. Jeff Vance like we want him. Aaron Jones is worth every penny he's going to get. There's no way Joe Douglas Joe Douglas gives him any of it because of yeah, Le'Veon Bell alone. No, just Le'Veon Bell after that whole fiasco. There is no way, there's just no Preach. feasible Preach. possibility Preach. that Douglas <laughs> is going to give a running back a big contract. If he does that, the fan base is going to go insane. So I also, there's no way they're going for a big guy. I like Jamal Williams. I feel like it's not as much, you know, that when he Jones wasn't playing, I think he was just underutilized. I like him a lot. I really like Jamal Williams. But again, in the draft, there's a lot of later guys. You want to look at later round draft picks. There's be Howard. Elijah Mitchell is a really, really interesting one to look at. Uh, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, I think CJ Verdell is returning to school now.
0: I believe he is.
2: There's a lot of of the Clemson,
0: the Clemson backs.
2: Like I'm, I'm I'm good with. I,
0: I of course Najee Harris, but like that's too much. I know.
2: The only way I see Joe going, and this is interesting. The only way, and there's so many different ways things can go. The only way I see him going running back hot is if we do the amazing and we get Deshaun Watson. This is we, what I'm some, saying. Oh and, my and God. We somehow, <laughs> somehow still have the 23rd pick. In some way, we still have it. Or if Travis Etienne's available at 34, because you want a dynamic pass catching back in this new offense. So the only way I'm going running back high is Travis Etienne. If we have Deshaun Watson, otherwise I'm not.
1: This is so here's, here's my thing. Here's my other thing. So, when it comes to running backs, I believe that is the last position that you invest in. Like you invest in your O line, you find your quarterback, um, you find your wide receivers. The last thing you can get because they're so easy to plug plug and play is a running back. And you said it right there. If you get to Sean Watson, a lot of things are said at that point because that means you're you're getting a lot. You're getting an offensive line and all these other things too. If that's the case, absolutely go for a running back. Other than that. Let's not do it. But speaking about quarterbacks, since you brought up Deshaun Watson, let's talk about the last position though—quarterback um, position. We got one in house. We got rumors surrounding Deshaun Watson, but we also got the number two overall pick. What do you feel? What are you feeling, Harrison? Uh, I want to know. This this might be the area where we get some differences because uh, I, I still have faith in Darnold. Uh, John still has faith in Darnold. I don't know, uh, but I want to hear what you got to say uh, on the quarterback position.
2: There's it again, the, when it comes to, I do, I, I'm not like, you know, the best, but I do like my own eval, my own way. I'm very big into quarterbacks. That's the biggest eval when it comes to me. And I do it very specifically and very differently. I've noticed, and a lot of people eval quarterbacks, if you guys check it out, you mentioned it before in my podcast. And my first, because people kept asking me, like, Before I fell in love with Zach Wilson, I was telling everybody, I was saying no to Justin Fields. Like before I even knew I loved Wilson, I knew I didn't want Fields for very specific reasons because for what I look for, I wasn't seeing in him. And there were certain things I saw that I didn't like. I would definitely say check it out because so many people have asked me, you know, what are your takes? What are your takes? Because they're unique. I had like a 45-minute podcast where it was literally just everything about Wilson and Fields and Lance and all quarterback eval. So I definitely say to everybody, you know, check that out. That's, you know, what everyone's been asking me for. Like my personal eval, I promise you, it's unique and different than anything you've heard anywhere else. And because of that, the summation of it all, the whole logic behind Trevor Lawrence was that Sam Darnold may be good, but we can't pass on somebody this great. The same logic applies to zach wilson zach wilson is that special he's that unbelievable when it comes to certain traits and i talk about a lot more detail but when it comes to certain traits like pocket awareness anticipation mobility i would say he's better than trevor lawrence in those aspects specifically just you know not better in general but just those aspects the logic in my opinion is sam could be good And the way i said it same thing in the podcast if we couldn't have wilson Then I would really, really have to consider sticking with Darnold more. I would have to put more thought into that. But it's just the same concept with Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson is too great of a prospect to pass on. If you have the ability to take him at two, you have to take him at two. He's got, he's got the, he's on the Mormon Mahomes
0: bandwagon, Alex. I don't
2: think he's Mahomes. And I said this same thing. (laughs) Everyone compares him to Mahomes. Mahomes is like a freak of nature, man. He's like, if I were to take, Uh, Russell Wilson and we're not even Russell Wilson. If I were to take like, uh, if I were to take Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning and like find a machine that can make them into one human being, that would be like Mahomes is like an unusual situation with Zach Wilson. I've always seen Russell Wilson every time. Russell Wilson is one of the most, uh, unbelievable innate abilities in the pocket. I have ever seen. And that's what I, again, talk about in a lot more detail. The he magician. He, he he the innateness of Zach Wilson. When you watch him play, his pocket awareness is just, it's innate because he makes the decisions in split microseconds and the decisions he makes. He's literally, it's like the example I gave in the podcast was, I forgot the name of the movie. It had a, a, a Gordon uh, Luck. Gordon loved the, I forgot his name, Hewitt. The, it was a movie where it was like a bicycle thing and he was like a bicycle messenger. I don't know if you guys ever saw that one. Mm, it, it's sure. the only thing I could think of because they literally show how the guy's making all the decisions within a split second, like in slow mo. It's amazing. I'm telling you, like if, if you check it out again, I went to just like literally almost an hour's worth of detail because there's just, there's so many things I love in him, but it's just the po- the ability in the pocket is just insanity. Like, like you see with Russell Wilson, like they, Seattle Seahawks, for some reason, because he's just so innate, have chosen to never give Russell Wilson an offensive line. They've just decided we don't need to do that. And even without an offensive line, he's been unbelievable and he's won a Super Bowl because of this. I see it in Zach Wilson. Every Zach Wilson, the comparison shouldn't be Mahomes. When you look at, you know, the, the throwing ability, he's basically he's a stronger armed Russell Wilson in every way.
0: Man, I, I
2: like. I, I'm not
0: gonna discredit any of your, you know, analysis. Like, that's fine. I, I agree. The, the only thing I'm just gonna talk about from the Jets side is we have. So we have we have this guy, right? If you trade him, uh, it was like about uh, two to five million in dead cap. I forgot. I think it's. I think it's about five million. Um, if we keep him with no option, it's a ten million dollar debt. He's he's ten million dollars on the regular cap. And if we give him that five-year option, it's going to be around $30 million for two years. I think if you average that up, it's about the paid the 20th quarterback in the NFL. So when you talk about, yes, we want to start over and he's going to be cheap for the next four years, Wilson, if he actually is that good. I know this is ridiculous, right? Like, I know, like, we're, you know, I'm speaking way of ahead of myself, but if he is that good, we're gonna have to pay him and it's not gonna matter. So if Sam is good after one, in two years, it's not gonna matter. Like, it's gonna be like, yo, he's good. Like, he's, he takes us to the playoffs. I understand the worry that he could be sealing not Mark Sanchez talent, but Mark Sanchez, like, mistakes. Like, When we're in the playoffs and it's, you know, we're in the division championship game or whatever it is, second or third weekend, he's going to throw that interception. Like, I, I, I could, I could see that. And, and, and speaking of Mark Sanchez, like, it's not just the money thing, but he's kind of right. Yo, if he, if Sam Donald week one of this year goes three and out twice in a row, everybody is going to boo him. Like, the entire stadium is going to boo him. And like, I know that's dumb and who cares. There's just stupid fans. It makes a difference, man. It makes a difference if you can't hear the snap because everyone's booing you and they're not giving you a chance rather than if you did have Zach Wilson and, you know, we're going to give him everything because he is a rookie. So, I don't know. I, I, yeah, Zach Wilson's good. What I love so much about everyone loving Zach Wilson is how much we can get for Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? And, and move down. So, my dream, my dream scenario, of course, Watson. Well, we could talk about that another day. I think Houston shooting themselves in the foot. Actually, one of the things you keep talking about with Douglas being so specific in his press conference, the one thing that no one ever talks about in the press conference is the Sam Darnold sentence, right? Where he said, we are taking calls on Sam Darnold. And everyone started going off, oh, that must mean Sam Darnold is bad. You know, he said specifically, we're going to pick up the phone. When somebody calls, we're going to pick up the phone. And I don't think it had anything to do with Sam Darnold. I think it had everything to do with Houston. I think he was literally taking a shot at Houston because Peter Schrager, who's close to the Jets, and Joe Douglas came out. and He said, Houston's not even answering the phone. They're literally not answering the phone for Deshaun Watson. And I, I think it's bad business. And once that story came out that people are leaving them voicemails is when you kind of heard the Jets kind of move on to Zach Wilson and say we're probably not going to get him, et cetera, like that. And so I kind of think that that was kind of a shot at him. So I kind of think we're moving past Deshaun Watson unless something crazy happens. I also think that Joe Douglas has the proclivity to move down with the Zach Wilson pick. But, I mean, to be honest with you, like, Alex, I kind of want to know what you think. Like, if we get Wilson, we're going to be the biggest Zach Wilson fans, right? Like, that, like, that, like that <laughs> that's what's going to happen, right? So, like, I, I i mean, like, at the end of the day, I'm okay with either one, but I just don't want a second-round pick for Sam Darnold, man. Just give me, like, the fourth pick for Zach Wilson from Atlanta and, like, an extra second or something, and, like, we could pick up everyone. We could pick up blindbacks. We could pick up a senator. We could pick up, you know, like, and then we could have Sam Darnold and, Think about the Ryan Tannehill, man. Just think about Ryan Tannehill. Think about how amazing Ryan Tannehill was when he had half a team, half half of a team. Like, and and so I guess that, that that's where I'll end it. Like from my perspective on the quarterbacks, I'm am I'm okay with it. I just, man, if he if Zach Wilson's a bust, we just took like four steps back as an organization.
1: My yeah. thing with my thing with Zach Wilson is that if you choose him as Joe, like for Joe Douglas, like. Like we saw Joe Douglas do a good job first year drafting. So I have no doubt that if he chooses Zach Wilson, that means he sees something and that, all right, fine. that he sees something that we don't, he's spoken to him, which I think is the biggest key when it comes to quarterback is actually getting in that room and just seeing where their mindset is. Like they can all have the physical talent. We've seen guys who have physical talent who just flamed out. Um, But if Joe Douglas takes him, of course, I'm going to be rooting for Zach Wilson. It's like my team. I'll, I'll root for the kid, whatever. Like I'll still like Sam too, but. I'll root for Zach Wilson. Um, my thing with him is like, are, is that the guy like second draft you going? Like, are you going quarterback? Cause you're hitching your wagon to this quarterback then for the next four to five years. And if whatever goes South, like you're going South with him. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like you're either rising or, over. or you're not. So I don't know if he's that bold to do it. Um, That's, it's it's a very bold move to be like, all right, we got a quarterback in house. I know it's five million dead cap. Um, it's not my quarterback, but we can at least evaluate, and then if someone else comes along, we can say oh, we at least tried this out, and then we can move on. But if you're saying that we're going to move Donald now, and now we got to start with Zach Wilson, like Zach Wilson has to transfer into something to take this franchise forward within the next three years. Like we have to see something to know that all right we're good here. You know, I I, I just don't know if Douglas is ready to make
2: that move. Harrison, what are are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, the quarterback is, again, we talked about how important offensive line is, how important every position is. The quarterback is the most important position. That's why this guy's being paid 150. We saw what Dak Prescott was just paid ridiculous amounts of money. And, I liked Sam. I mean, if you guys might remember during the season, I was one of the few writers still on Sam's side, using facts to support him, saying that he could still be good. But again, it just comes back to, remember, with Trevor Lawrence. Even when everyone was all on Lawrence, I was like, you know, but what about Sam? Everyone kept repeating, Lawrence is too good of a prospect to pass on. It doesn't matter what Sam is. Sam is irrelevant. It's literally the same logic, like literally the same logic. Zach Wilson is just that amazing and you mentioned before hitching your wagon to a quarterback you got to do that eventually you got to pay quarterbacks eventually and you got to hitch your wagon to somebody and again if Douglas sees what I see in Zach Wilson then the only question is can I get Watson because if I can get Watson then that's a whole another fun game of cards right there to figure that thing out but Otherwise to me, it's Wilson all the time. And because he's just, he's so unbelievable. He's so talented. It's everything that I look for specifically. And again, I was all on Sam. And I think I admitted it at one point. Also, it's a homer perspective too. That's your quarterback. I mean, come on, uh, you know, uh, Terrell Owens in a press conference. Remember the famous crying. That's my quarterback. I mean, you always have your quarterbacks back. That's your guy. So, what I did was, and it it really helped when I fell for Zach, like when I just fell for everything I saw in Zach, I was able to objectively step back from Sam and, you know, not look at it from the fan perspective. And not only was there, you know, a lot of things I didn't like, for example, you brought up Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill and Joe Flacco in Adam Gase's system were significantly better. Now the argument I always made was, you know, those are veterans. Veterans will always do better in a bad system. Younger quarterbacks will struggle, but to what extent? I mean, everyone says the interceptions are Sam's problem. I disagree. I've proven, you know, facts when I was on Sam's side. The interceptions aren't his problem. The decision-making is his problem. The what he's doing before the throw, during the throw, and after the throw. Again, I think he can be good, but I think the reason we all moved on to Lawrence. Like, if if we had Patrick Mahomes as our quarterback, and he had an off year for some reason, and we had the first pick, we wouldn't be thinking about Trevor Lawrence. We're only thinking about Trevor Lawrence because we felt that, you know, Sam isn't the guy yet. and Lawrence is too good to pass on. And again, I'm just that, that logic literally applies to Zach Wilson. Like, I mean, like I said, I'd definitely tell him you guys check out the podcast. I think it will not only turn you on to Zach Wilson, but turn you off to Justin Fields. Cause there's a lot of things that I don't like that. I notice so many people don't talk
1: about. And I talked about in the podcast we're not on Justin Fields here either but we were very skeptical <laughs> we're very skeptical about just uh Zach Wilson just because he played for BYU the 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 fame the the rise is like so meteoric it's just like it just came out of nowhere it feels like like it all came around the the college playoff like bowl bowl area and like it's not there's it's so, it's, so, it's to me that's it's concerning to hear like you know Trevor Lawrence it's just kind of like We've heard this rise. It's like, all right, all right. Like we know, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the kid once he declares. And I'm not saying that it has to be that way for Zach Wilson either. Um, for for me, it was just kind of like this is really just like so out of left field that it's like, look at this kid, and it's like, absolutely, there's talent like that all the time. People missed on Pat Mahomes, people missed on Deshaun Watson. I'm not discrediting that Zach Wilson could be that next guy. Just, I'm just giving what you know, skeptical because. One, haven't done that much research. I'm definitely going to check out the pod because I want to hear a different side. I don't want to just be like stuck in like my own like way of thinking. I want to hear someone else's line of thinking, what your evaluation is. But it, when I just hear something like so fast out of know. I'm just like, huh? Re- yeah.
0: Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not even, it's not even about the fact that Zach Wilson came out of nowhere. Like, you know, and I, know who's, I know who Zach Wilson is, like, but the, the issue is, his climb like all of a sudden he's better than trevor lawrence who has literally walked in and and went into the sec i mean i get it but i mean here's my thing like okay first of all just to, just to be very clear this podcast is never on an ohio state quarterback shout out Ricey, our producer or an Alabama quarterback? That is not. We're that we're never doing that. Unless <laughs> his name is Joe Namath.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah, right.
0: yeah, that's it. Like literally. Otherwise, like we are. We're 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 at, we're off of those. But well, I mean, when it comes to Zach Wilson, I'm going to call you out, Harrison, because you you're on my boy Trey Hendrickson telling me it's a one year wonder. It's a one year wonder. It's, it's a small sample size. What do you got on Zach Wilson, man? Like we saw, like yeah. We saw who was Illinois. Like that—that's the game. That's the game that did it for you. Like I, I get it. I, I watched the game. He was great. I no, for, like, well, not the Illinois the, game.
2: Not for me. For me, there was a lot that did it yeah. for me, but it was the Coastal game.
0: Okay. Coastal the, coastal, okay. Coastal, I mean, yeah, that was about because I loved I loved, I loved Coastal all year. I watched literally every single Coastal Carolina game. So I'm with you. Great game there too. But you yeah, no, are, are, are we are we paying him the second yeah. round pick? Like we're paying him with the second round pick. You know, what I mean, Absolutely. we're giving him the franchise. We're giving him the Absolutely. franchise I, based on think, that game. Yeah. You go with no, that? No, no, no,
2: no, 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 not on just that game. So, again, the way I look at it, and again, it's just how I do it. I feel like so many people, you know, when you hear their takes, it's the same thing. It's the same thing said a different way. Everyone's so. I purposely, I don't read shit. I don't care what anybody else is saying about these guys that is irrelevant to me i don't care so you'll notice that you'll see none of the things i'm saying are (laughs) major like they're all just my personal feelings (laughs) because i I don't (laughs) like that because you'll hear one guy say something and something the other guy say yeah i agree and then say something like almost the exact way with a different spin on it the way i look at it is I, i don't I looked at what I looked for in a quarterback. I At the beginning of this year, I was all in on Sam. So I'll be honest, I wasn't looking at quarterbacks before this year. So whatever Zach was doing, he might have been this good. He might not have been. I honestly don't know. But what would I look for? There's specific cerebral traits, specific translatable things that translate to NFL success that so many people don't realize. And I talk about this, again, throughout the whole podcast. The first thing I say is, when you for I started off with this. When you go on Twitter and you look at guys evaluating these guys, what do they show you? They show you a deep ball. They show you the guy throwing the ball downfield and the receiver making a great catch. I have news for you guys. Everybody could do that. You want to see a beautiful Jeep deep ball? Look at uh James uh, James. Why am I blinking on James Morgan. Morgan. Look nope. at James Morgan. Morgan throws a beautiful deep ball. Too many people get enamored with the wrong things. And with what I look for, man, just, just Zach Wilson has it in spades. Again, the first time I saw this kid play with what I look for, I was just, I couldn't take my eyes off him. Just couldn't. Like, I was just blown away. He kept selling me from then on out and Then the Coastal game. People were like, oh, well, he lost. I don't care. For what (laughs) I look for, That he was amazing. He he had a good game. It was a good game. It was a good game. It was a good game. I'm convinced, again, just from what I look for, he has everything I want in a quarterback. Everything I want in NFL translation, cerebral traits, everything. It's just across the board in spades. Arguably, I would even say for what I look for, I see more of it in him than I do in Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yeah. Okay. No, that's. I mean, I now have to do more research into Zach Wilson, and see what you're pointing, and I totally agree. Like throwing the deep ball, this is where I like I get over because like as every you see on Twitter, year, like, there's
2: like 700 likes because the guy threw the ball yeah, deep and yeah. the receiver made a great <laughs> catch. But this is but,
1: but this is my thing. This is where like everyone like on Twitter is like hyping somebody up, and they're like, look at this pass, look at this, look at the deep ball, all this yada yada okay, yada. It's like that. I like, and that's what I'm saying like it's, and I say this all the time like cool. He threw to a guy who's like wide open against a college defense because guess what? Most college defenses are like five steps behind. You have this one guy who's a wide receiver who just has like 10 steps ahead because he's just running a flat and it's like, he's just wide open, just throw a 50 yard bomb. And there you go. That's where it's just kind of like, everyone's like pointed that out, but I want to listen to your pod and hear like what the specifics you are looking for and, and point pointed Zach Wilson, if it's stuff that's like showing footwork, how he maneuvers the pocket all those type of things, the decision-making, those are all the key all important that. aspects. All of that and more. So, definitely. like, I'm, de- I'm down to, I, I want, I definitely want to listen to that. Um, But that's where I get skeptical because everyone's doing that with, like, Justin Fields. Like, look at Justin Fields' throw. It's just like. Exactly. Yeah, they're like, he's
2: got a great arm. He's very athletic. Yeah, I said that in the pod. He's without a doubt more athletic than, just, than Zach Wilson. And he probably has a stronger arm, not by much, but he has a stronger arm. I don't care about that. The things I look for, again, I get into it in more detail, but in a nutshell with fields, he is 100% a system quarterback. And I break down in detail how you can see that in his blood.
1: Okay. No, I definitely, I definitely want to check that out. And I think, you know, that's it. But the last one where I just want to touch on this before we go, because you said it's our quarterback. We got to support our quarterback. Um, I do that for two to three. I do that for two years Three years max. After that, you do not get my support if you're bad. I did that for Sanchez. I did that for Geno Smith, Fitzpatrick. I saw the like he was even our guy, but I was like, all right, we had one minute, 10-6 season. Um, next season, even Kellen
0: like, Clemens, I I, even Kellen yeah. Clemens,
1: we gave two three years. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like Kellen oh, Clemens had see. no offensive
0: line. There was just
2: I think they might as well have just taken the five linemen out and put out more receivers. To
1: more <laughs> no, effort. totally, to- totally. But the thing, <laughs> so like my difference with Sam though is like when I look at Sam, I'm like, okay. The decision making, I think that can be cleaned up. I'm not saying he's going to be picture perfect, but I think that can be cleaned up. I think with the right coach, that can that can like you can reduce those errors. I'm not saying it would be completely white, but you can reduce it. Um, but he still has the talent to be a quarterback. You know, when other teams like the Steelers who are involved, I'm just like, like sure, they had Duck Rogers and you know, Mason Rudolph out in the field, but it's like they drafted those guys. late. they were never planning those guys to be the, the, the guys to take over the keys. Um, But when I hear franchises like the Colts, whoever like interested, um, that's when I am started saying like, you know, there's something there, but I hear where you're saying like, if it's, if you're saying it's like a Trevor Warren situation where it's like, this kid's that good. You just can't give up. That's, that's the, that's the exception to the rule. And what's crazy
2: is, it's funny, I was saying this back in October, November, I was saying that this kid was by far the second best quarterback in this draft, blew my mind with everything I looked for, I even said he was closer to Lawrence than anyone else was, that he was closer to Lawrence than anyone was to him, and everyone was like, that's insanity at that time, and Trevor Lawrence is the man, and I'm noticing now everyone's saying that, like everyone, like all the top analysts are now saying how amazing Wilson is, how he could even be better than Trevor Lawrence, how you could put him in the same conversation. I was like, I, I, I said that five months ago. Like, what's what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how it usually but, goes? But the way I would look at it is, I would easiest way I would look at it like this, and this is how I felt with Sam. I think with top talent, with an excellent team around him, supporting cast, good coaching, he can be good. He can definitely be a good quarterback. But my question for you, Do you think he can be great? Do you think he can be a top five NFL quarterback? And on that note, that's a perfect way (laughs) to end this podcast.
0: (laughs) Harrison, thank you so much uh, for stopping by. Um, It was great having you. Uh, Again, you can check out, he is the founder of Take Flight Media. He has Take Flight, Spit and Fire podcast. He co-hosts a show that never sleeps catch him on twitter nyjets tf media or at takeflightmedia.org love it
2: appreciate it yeah that's that's all my stuff and this was a lot of fun you guys this was awesome i got to say i think this is the longest podcast i've ever been on. oh yeah, it's we've a long been going podcast. for like yeah we, we've been oh, going for like uh like
1: close to 2 hours
2: 2, two hours yeah that's awesome i think it's definitely <laughs> the longest podcast i've ever done love it that's great love talking football love talking the jets uh yeah definitely you know guys out there and you know the listening world <laughs> check me out on twitter my tf media my website takefloodmedia.org. and yeah i really appreciate you guys having me it was awesome a lot of fun to talk football a lot of fun to talk jets and yeah i'd love to come back on sometime
1: it was great having you on harrison great talking jets um and now you inspired me to do some more research on uh the mormon mahomes
2: <laughs> i hate the nickname man i just i don't know to me i just I don't know. I see Russell Wilson. You everywhere.
1: can blame that you could blame the Twitter account <laughs> Drew for that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, Drew Drew made that, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh man. But on that note, uh, thank you for everyone for listening for another Jets episode of the Knicks Jets et cetera podcast. Please make sure to leave us a five-star review and please make sure to leave a comment if you live on an Apple Podcast. Also, we're available on all streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it. We are there. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Nick's, comma, Jets, comma, etc. Period. All right, everyone. We'll catch you later next week for another Nick's episode of this podcast. Now that Basketball is back. All right. Stay tuned for Etc. All right, everyone. And we're back from the break. And for Etc. John Harrison we got to talk about some <laughs> league news all right man we got some big news that happened yesterday Dak Prescott got paid what do we all think about that <laughs> I'll go I, like Harrison you're the guest man I want to hear what you have to th- your thoughts about it Dak got paid um do you think this was that he got paid because uh Jerry Jones just saw how bad the team was without him because they were just like an offensive I'd say they were offensive juggernaut to a certain extent because they were just keeping it in games. Like it would go 40, 50 points and he, Dak would just somehow bring him back in there. Do you think he was like, oh snap, he's actually that good? They have to pay him and watching Andy Dalton was just kind of like, yikes.
2: So might as well pay a quarterback and have a quarterback. Yeah, my feeling with Dak Prescott getting paid is it is about damn time. I mean, right. Dak Prescott, well. Dak Prescott does not. Get enough appreciation or enough credit. I mean, this guy Thank was you. a fourth round pick. I love that prescott. I talked again, we talked earlier about all my QB Eval. If the Jets had ever listened to me in the past, we would be in this situation. Because back when Prescott was in that draft, I said myself, Wentz, Gopp, those guys are crap. I hated all that. <laughs> I felt Prescott. Was serious. <laughs> I said Prescott was the guy. I loved Prescott. I was banging the table for the Jets to take Prescott like the second or the third. But, of course, no, let's not take Deb Prescott. Isn't that the year we took Christian freaking Hackenberg?
0: Oh, please. please. We're not allowed to talk about second-round picks unless it's Denzel Mims <laughs> or David Harris. That's the rule. Fair enough. That's Fair the, enough. the rule. So, on the well, man, the
1: also, God – also, I – Pretty sure he's trying to coach high school football too. If I saw that in the news correctly, so God help. Those I wish children. that high
2: school luck. Yeah, <laughs> I wish that high school luck. Let's get him and Manziel. They can do a football program together.
1: <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but nah. no, man, Deb
2: Prescott does not get enough appreciation. He is an excellent, excellent even from Cowboys fans. I know a ton of Cowboys fans that I work with. Remember, we were at a bar like with teachers, like. I was thinking was like six months ago or so. They were crapping all over Dak. They do not like Dak, and I don't get it at all. Do not get it. I would love Dak Prescott to be my quarterback. If he had hit free agency, I would have been thrilled if Joe Douglas brought him on. He is excellent. He is a franchise quarterback. I mean, in 2019, the guy was a 100 yards away from 5,000. I mean, we've <laughs> never had anyone even sniff that kind of production. Yeah. So – Dak Prescott's amazing. I think he's incredible. I think he's completely undervalued and underappreciated. I think he deserves every penny he got, and I think it's about time that Cowboy fans recognize the caliber of quarterback that they have.
0: I, I beautifully agree 100%. said, hundred
1: beautiful. percent." Yeah, <laughs> yeah really. beautiful. I'm, I was actually, you know, like I'm. A, I like Dak. I don't get the hate for Dak. I think this oh, season proved it more than ever. It's like, wow, you guys have nothing without that. Like he legit. Single hand, because it's so rare to see in football where a player single handedly keeps doing games like at that level, and he did, right? He did, and it's just weird to hear fan is just doesn't appreciate having a quarterback, considering that we're a fan base that hasn't had a quarterback and
0: yeah. forever. So I think yeah, they're just you know. hesitant <laughs> on paying him. They just, they're just, <laughs> they're just, they're just hesitant on paying him, and they, they're kind of treating him like Kirk Cousins, uh, like the, like on Washington. I, I think he's nah, way better. Could, that's how they're Kirk
1: treating him. Kirk Dak Prescott's
0: way better than Kirk Cousins. That's, I agree. I agree. And and one thing that no one, one thing that people like kind of just say a lot, they just say these words a lot is the Cowboys have a good offensive line. It used to be very good, but honestly for the last year year and a half, it really hasn't been that good. And yeah. Dak has. I know I know he got injured, but before that, you know what I mean? It, he he was doing pretty well. Um and you could you can tell because Zeke's production went down too. And that that's more to do with the offensive line. You know what I mean? Does he stink? <laughs> you know, like, or, you know, they have exactly. these wide receivers.
2: They have these, like these pieces, but the offensive line was stinking. And plus the defense hasn't been great. I mean, there were plenty of games yep. where the Cowboys put up a good amount of points and yards, but the defense gave away more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I was about to say the same thing. Like, the O line has just like been the bread and butter, but it's like, if you know, how, how's Zeke doing? Like it, like, Dak was still keeping it in games, even with a bad old line, you know what I mean? So it's I'm happy he got paid. I think it was rightfully so that he got paid. I don't think I don't understand why you have media outlets like Max Kellerman saying you shouldn't be paying Dak Prescott. I mean, he's just adding to the list of just he doesn't know anything. He's been saying Tom Brady's falling off a cliff. I've been waiting to see that one happen too. Um <laughs> it just has a lot of hot, wild takes that are just all wrong. So but that's another story for another day. So we're all on the page for Dak Prescott getting paid. Let's also talk about the New Orleans Saints and their situation right now. They just released uh Manuel Sanders. Um what do you guys think with Drew Brees, man? Like what what's happening? Like Drew Brees, you could just if you want to talk about someone coming off a cliff, I if he stays around for another season,
0: we're about Free Jameis. Free Jameis. <laughs> Yeah, for real, though. The guy got his eyes fixed. Maybe he could see the linebackers now. Who knows? Like, (laughs) what are we doing? What are we doing putting Taysom Hill as a starter? What are we doing putting Drew Brees out there with – I think he has – broke the record for the most ribs. Like, all of a sudden, like, Drew Brees has 19 ribs that broke. Like, I don't even know where all these ribs came from. Like, he became an absolute warrior. Uh, Just give the ball to Jameis Winston, Like. He only is going to get better by playing. Obviously, he's watched enough film, right? Like, we got it. Maybe he didn't do that in Tampa. Now he does. Like, he, he just, he, I think he needs a chance. And I just don't, I don't get why they're so obsessed with Taysom Hill. Like, someone explain that to me.
2: It's, it's interesting. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's an interesting obsession. They basically, Taysom Hill is like, the Tim Tebow experiment working. That's like the no. best way is to it put though? the case in is. Is it though? Because... I mean, look at—I mean, Tim Tebow had a decent arm. He made throws, but he was incredibly athletic, and they lined him up all over the field. That's what they're doing with Taysom Hill. And I don't—I don't think he's not going to be the next great quarterback. That's not going to happen. Drew Brees is—I mean, Drew Brees is a legend. Drew Brees is one of the greatest to play in in the sport. Can't await him whenever he chooses to retire. I think if he wants to be there, he should be their quarterback, no matter how long he wants to play. I think they had to cut Emmanuel Sanders because. The Saints have backed themselves on a corner. I mean, they're in cap hell. They have no money at all. mean so yeah. they're just, they're just trying to figure Drew Brees, out how they though. can make it work. Yeah, but again, if, if you're in cap hell, it's not because you're paying your Drew Brees. Deserves every cent he's making. You got to free up the money somewhere else. I mean, Drew Brees isn't the problem.
1: Nah, <laughs> uh, I mean I agree with the cap situation. You, you pay your, obviously you pay your quarterback. Uh, it's how they use the money everywhere else. I think it's just, uh, they just went all in on trying to like get the last bit of out with Drew Brees there. That's what they tried. Unfortunately, yeah. um, unfortunately, it's just doesn't work. Uh, it's not going to work, you know? Um, and he, you already saw the decline in Drew Brees, regardless of the injury. It, he wasn't throwing the same way. Maybe that has to do with like Michael Thomas being gone for part of the season two, you know, be like his safety blanket who could just run any route and just like get. Shorter underneath, and then just get that, get all the yak that he wants, right? So maybe that was the issue with him, but I don't see it happening anymore with, with New Orleans. I feel like they're because of their cap hill um, quarterback situation is going to be interesting. If I see Tyson Hill, though, that is just that is, ugh. They have no. I mean, I
0: wonder if they think they have. They have no, no chance in the division. <laughs> they're already playing for a wild card. It's kind of tough. It's tough. It's tough, it's tough for the Saints this year.
1: It is tough for the Saints, but not our problem. What do you What do you guys think about Russell Wilson though? This is the This is the real conversation.
2: He'll be traded. Well, what I think is crazy about Russell Wilson is okay. Maybe he'll be traded. Maybe he won't. But we're watching guys like Drew Brees playing into his forties. We're watching guys like Ben Roethlisberger playing into his forties. We're watching guys like Tom Brady win Super Bowls into his forties, and people are saying that Russell Wilson is too old. What, the, what is, what is that? Oh, is, I, I, I never,
0: I didn't that? hear that one. No, but, I'm hearing
2: I, that. I've legitimately <laughs> heard people say they don't want to trade for Russell Wilson because of his age. That's insanity. If you don't want to trade with Russell Wilson because of his age, then you, you got your priorities mixed up. I mean, that guy is going to be at his elite level for at minimum another six years. Like
0: oh, Oh, God. People are saying that Russell Wilson's too old. David, and that did not come across my screen. I would cry. I would honestly wait, cry back, if
2: someone told me. I, I put a tweet showing that Deshaun was my first option. Russell was my second. Back when, you know, we thought that Russell might be an option. And that Zach Wilson was my third. And everyone's response to Russell Wilson was, why are we trading for an old quarterback? I'm like, what the hell? What? 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 Yeah.
0: I can't even entertain that. I oh, literally, okay. I I, honestly, I can't even say anything. if we got this the magician it... as our quarterback, I don't even know what I would do. I, like, uh, I, yeah. I, I legitimately don't know how I would act. I don't think and, Russell's uh, gonna go act?
1: Anywhere. I, just, mean, I don't We know. wouldn't be acting <laughs> civilly. That's for damn sure. I would be yeah. be naked in the streets if we got Russell Wilson. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, you love Russell Wilson so much. Zach Wilson, I'm telling you, the comp is there. Oh, Everyone's making them a home Listen, the Mahomes. Listen,
0: here's the thing. Here's the here's the thing, Harrison. Here's the thing, like, like in in this case, right? We draft Wilson number two. We get say we if we can't scheme for that late twentieth pick or whatever from Washington, maybe we get you know something else like a high second from some from someone. Okay, okay, sounds good. We're gonna get the center. We're gonna get the linebacker. We're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna sign a wide receiver. We're gonna we're gonna have an insane team. And Zach Wilson is going to probably be good because you kind of just have to be competent. You know what I mean? If the whole team is stacked. If you're stacked at offensive line and you're stacked everywhere else, that's fine. So, like, I'm not so against it. You know what I mean? I, and that's the whole thing. I think Sam or Wilson will thrive. I really do. I, I'm just, i just... I, again, I don't want to get too into it, but that, that's where I'm torn. I'm just kind of torn. If Sam... if Basically, if Sam's contract wasn't up, I'd be cool with it. I'd be like, yo, like... I'm 100% on Sam, Zach Wilson, just take a hike. But because Sam's contract's up, I'm almost into it, man. I'm I'm, I'm almost into it. I know Alex is already starting to turn his wheels, which he really hasn't this entire year, till literally today. I'll tell you that much, Harrison. So give give yourself some props on that.
2: That I mean, the way to look at it, I kind of mentioned it before, like with the question, I was the biggest, I was a huge standby. You can check it out, go back. Everyone, every other writer at Bell ship. I literally wrote an article called The Definition of Insanity about, you know, constantly taking quarterbacks and hoping that things are going to change when you don't build the team first. I was the biggest one on that wagon, but the way I, when I stepped back and I looked at it, I think with top talent, with great coaching, Sam can be good, but he's never going to be Deshaun Watson. It's just not going to happen. I don't see that potential for him. So you get to Sean Watson if you can, and Zach Wilson could be that. That that that's how I look at it.
1: No, right. right. that's what makes it that's, that's what makes it intriguing. But we're, we did the Jet segment, so let's keep the Jet segment yeah. in the Jet segment. <laughs> yeah. Last yeah. one for you guys. Last one for you guys. Um, Arthur Smith, Atlanta Falcons. I think there was some, John, did you show me something where, uh, trying to trade the rumors of Matt Ryan going to the Patriots? Is that, is that what you're trying to say? Is
0: that real? I I mean, there's, listen, every single quarterback is rumored to go to the Patriots. That's just, that's just how it is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I can't stand it, you know. I literally, like, who would want to go there? Literally, Matt Stafford said, trade me to any team except for New England. Like, doesn't that ring a bell in anyone's head? Whatever it doesn't make any sense to me, but yeah, the whole thing like Mac Jones has been rumored to the New England Patriots. Matt Ryan, because he went to BC, has been rumored to the New England Patriots. Even though he would take like a thirty million dollar dead cap, but that would mean that they would like trade up and draft a quarterback or whatnot. Man, if if somebody if the Patriots get a good quarterback, I'm gonna be so pissed. Like I don't care. I really don't care. Like they don't deserve one. They deserve a rookie. If they draft, if they draft Mag Jones and they make Mag Jones good, congrats, like well done. But they they just don't deserve like a Bill Belichick's getting old. Give him a, a star quarterback like a Russell Wilson ends up on the New England Patriots. I will throw up. I will throw up.
1: That <laughs> Yo, I I, I uh, uh, And that's why so, no,
2: you're right. And I pointed this out a little while back because I was you know I'm all about all these different options and trade scenarios. People talked about him, you know, Deshaun Watson, potentially going to the Miami Dolphins. To me, I thought New England, you know, could be a possibility, too, because they have so much cap money, like ridiculous amounts of cap money. If Joe Douglas is, you know, trying to get Deshaun Watson and, you know, he doesn't he feels like they're asking too much. That's one thing. But if he doesn't give the extra bit, if that means he's going to Miami or New England, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I mean, we right now have the bills to worry about and Josh Allen. Could you imagine having Deshaun Watson in the division but not on the Jets? So I don't want to give away no. too much. No, Joe call me.
0: Call me, Joe. I'll, I have money. Like just call me. I'll sell my shoes. That's the thing. So I'll that's sell I'll saying? sell my house. Like I'll sell <laughs> stuff. Call me, farm. Joe.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to give away the farm. But if it's like if I don't give away the farm, I know they're going to get them. Oh man, I got to get that farm together. I got to get ready to give it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, uh, especially for Deshaun Watson. No, I just find it interesting with uh, – yeah, I don't need to see the Patriots be successful. They had enough- they had many years of being successful. Yeah, they so. had their
2: time. Well, hey, you look yeah. at history. And seriously, the 49ers, after they had their great decades, they sunk for a decade. The Cowboys, after they had their great decade, they sunk for a decade. So hopefully history will repeat itself.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but actually, speaking of the Patriots and actually some offensive line movement, uh, well, I guess I guess this will be uh, the last topic unless you have anything else, Alex. But the Patriots just traded for Trent Brown, and he's kind of, like that. That's interesting. From Oakland, Miami, they got Isaiah Wilson basically for free. Who's a draft pick last year? He had some issues, but he went to the same college um, as Flores. There's some interesting stuff going on. Oh, the left tackle from the Ravens. Orlando Brown, he's disgruntled. I know that Bart Scott has been screaming about how he wants the Jets to trade for him and move Becton to the right and then figure it out from there. Like, what are your uh, thoughts on those offensive linemen?
2: That's it. The only human being in the world that I would move Becton for is Sewell. Cause Sewell is, I pointed this out earlier, like, you know, everyone kept calling Trevor Lawrence a generational, uh, quarterback. Pinay Sewell is a generational offensive lineman by the definition of the word. I mean, he is, if you watch his play, he's just, you don't see offensive linemen like him. He's literally like the next Joe Thomas is what he's going to be. So I'd move Beckton for him. But if I get Orlando Brown, I'm putting Brown's big ass on the right tackle side. Becton's staying on the left. So if you could only have okay. Zach Wilson or, or Sewell, what are you doing? Oh, I'm t- that's the thing.
0: So like that that there's so, you have to get, the not that too. like the you draft, draft down, like you would, you would, you would you'd like you down and and keep Sam, but you, so you, you would rather Zach Wilson and figure it out rather than Sam and, and, and Sewell.
2: Well, cause again, I mean, we got, again, Sewell would be awesome, but at the same time, now you have two extremely high priced tackles, which is not a bad thing. I mean, not a bad thing by any sense of the word, but I feel like, you know, with what we talked about with Dooney, with Creed, moving McGovern, Fant and Becton a tackle, I feel like that would be, like, I see, an, like I, I've planned it all out in my head, I see excellent ways the team can succeed with Zach Wilson, and again, it's just you don't pass on that. If for some reason you're not taking a quarterback, which I don't agree with, unless you're getting Watson, but let's say you're not taking a quarterback, then yeah, there's all these different options to do, but... I just, there's no way we get a guy like Sewell. I mean, I love Patrick Sertain. There's no way we're getting a guy like Patrick Sertain because you're yeah. taking Zach Wilson at two. <laughs> and then you have the 23rd pick.
0: Sorry, we can't get the Jets off 23? our mind, Alex. We can't get the Jets off our mind, Alex. you in the insider <laughs> section. Sorry. Oh, my God. Here we go. But I
1: think that could <laughs> Okay, okay really. but
2: you mentioned the, or the, you know, trading for Brown. Right when they traded for Brown, I knew it. It was like an hour later. I love it. The second they traded for Brown, I was like, okay, that means things gone. Like, that is a sign that Thune is going to hit free agency. Because all the rumors Absolutely. were saying, you know, that they weren't going to tag him, that they didn't want to pay him. The second they're trading away picks to get their blindside tackle, I knew that was it. I knew Thune was out of there. So he's definitely going to hit free agency without question. That's one guy. Like, if Joe Douglas has one guy on the top of the list, I mean, if Shaq Barrett hits, it's got to be like those two. But Thune's got to be there. Thune's got to be the guy that you just – you pay because he's not just – incredibly you know talented and one of the better guards he's an iron man like you can't pay for that kind of durability
1: no absolutely totally agree John on that note is there anything else
0: you got oh that's it man that's that's it the the season the season has begun one week from today March 17th
1: yep definitely one more one more week till the season begins Harrison once again thank you for coming on really appreciate it. Um, if you want you can plug yourself
2: one more time so that people know where they can find you. Uh sure, yeah. So again, guys, you can find me on Twitter at NYJets, TF Media. It's TF Media because my company is Take Flight Media, you know, like the Jets Take Flight. Same thing with my website, takeflightmedia I do multiple podcasts. I have my own podcast. I do Monday nights live on YouTube, so it's a lot of fun. The best part about the live part is I tell everyone you guys can interact with me. So, you know, if you want to ask me questions, like I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about, but I'll talk about your stuff too. We bring up a topic. We'll talk about it. So come to my podcast Monday nights, live on YouTube, talking all about those jets. And yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, it was awesome. I really enjoyed it.
1: We had a lot of fun too, Harrison. Great time talking jets. We love talking New York jets on here. But, everyone out there listening to this podcast, we thank you once again for listening for another two-hour-plus podcast. I know we gave you one earlier this week for the Knicks. Of course, we've got to follow it up with another two-plus-hour Jets episode. So, thank you to our listeners out there for tuning in for another Jets episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my coach, my buddy, my pal, John. <laughs> about to start you. over? We're coming. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm about to start over. I'm so tired at this point, point; I don't even know where I'm going with this. But... <laughs> Let's go Jets, baby. Let's go Jets. Let's go Jets. Catch you later for the next episode.